Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the City Champions Podcast, proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. This episode is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, your source for curiosity-driven coverage of our city, cultivated by the community. Taproot publishes weekly roundups on a variety of topics, including media, food, tech, health innovation, music, regional news, business, and city council. Taproot's curators gather up the headlines and happenings on these files and deliver them to your inbox. You can get one or two for free, but if you want more, you can become a Taproot member, then you can get as many as you want, plus other perks, all just for $10 a month or $100 a year. Go get informed at taprootedmonton.ca. My guest today is a guy that many of you know and love, I might add, by the name of Evan Gallant. Evan's main gig is marketing, but he's a huge force in the Edmonton charity scene, working as a community director for the Urban Spirits Rotary Club and co-founding Heal YEG, an Edmonton-based nonprofit uh, that partners with the community to raise funds for other nonprofit organizations in order to give back to the community and also be a voice for those in need. Evan's an incredibly social guy. He's uh, funny, he's gregarious, he's always the life of the party out in the Edmonton bar scene. But Evan reached out to me because he wanted to shed some light on the darker side of this uh, social scene. It's something that I know lots of people know about, but most people don't talk about it. Uh, In an incredibly brave and vulnerable moment, Evan opened up about his drug and alcohol abuse and about how last year it kind of all came crashing down on him. He made the smart and incredibly difficult choice to tell his family and seek some help. This conversation really hits home for me because there's so much in it that I can relate to. Evan and I both hope that there's something in it that you can all relate to as well. I'm insanely proud of this guy for having the courage to talk so openly about his struggles. It's something most of us aren't brave enough to do. Um, But without further ado, please enjoy and I encourage you to listen very very closely to this wonderful conversation with Evan Glenn. Sitting here sufficiently caffeinated. Cheers buddy. Cheers. Evan thanks for joining me on the show. Of course. How's it going today? It's going well. Yeah? Well getting back into the momentum of uh actual real life I've been kind of away for two months so you've been away for two months really that long two months yeah 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 uh, December was a uh, little focus time and then you know last three weeks here I was in Antarctica how, how do you end up in Antarctica so it's a, it's a bittersweet story um, so my mom and dad were supposed to be going to Antarctica and then um, my dad's grandmother died right mm-hmm. so and it wasn't like a sad, you know, we kind of expected she was in the hospital and she couldn't do uh, her sewing anymore. So she passed away. And then my dad went to go to the funeral down there. So he opened up this ticket for me to get down there. Oh, okay. So she lived down there? No, she lives in Prince Edward Island. But my mom and dad were just going for a vacation, right? So, oh, okay. Did so, you say your dad's grandma or your my, grandma? My, my grandma, my dad. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was yeah, say, holy fuck, how old <laughs> is she? <laughs> we got great genes. Yeah, no shit, eh? What's your your background? Like, what's your Uh, genetic history? African-American and French. African-American and French. My, it's kind of, on my mom's side, she's uh, the one who's black. She, family started in um, northern U.S., went through the underground, if I'm not mistaken, Mm -hmm. went up to Athabasca, and then came down this way. And then my dad's side, Prince Edward Island, and then, you know, 
there, overseas. There is a community in Alberta, like some of the original cowboys here were black. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know about that? Yeah, that's uh, that's where they're. I think that's where they're from. Uh, it's the uh, name of the place is eluding me right now, but like, yeah, like it's it's yeah, it's like in northern Alberta. They my family like went there last summer just to, like play basketball. I'm like chill, it's crazy. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, hey, you never think of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and your mom's the front on there. Your dad's the French side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're all from Prince Edward Island. He's got six brothers. They fish and do the whole thing grew up on a dairy farm are they more french or more newfie like kind of east coast they're they're east coasty like super east coasty they all have the accent they all you know use fringlish like it's hilarious (laughs) they start drinking you can't understand a goddamn word yeah yeah it's great it's so funny like when whenever i'm traveling i think you've traveled around the world quite a bit too but they always go like are you are you and americans like really different and i'm like you have to understand the geography of north america it's so far east and west Mm -hmm. that like you're more similar to the people north and south of you than you are to the east and west of you, right? That's funny, like, yeah. Like, can, like a, a Vancouverite's more similar to someone from Seattle or even LA, right? Yeah. Whereas like Ontario's more similar to uh, New York and 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 Boston, although Boston's kind of its own. We get Minnesota, like yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. We've got Minnesota, and North North Dakota, North Dakota. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. What's it? So in your family, is it like? Do you guys? like celebrate your heritage like do you kind of kind of just kind of all come together as canadian like what's the sort of vibe of it my my uh my like my direct family is like the i think like the the center of a lot of it like Mm -hmm. my my mom and my dad they're so focused on family um for any sort of holiday our family seems to see be kind of like the quintessential piece of it Mm -hmm. like so we everybody just flies in and then both sides of our family are there so you know, it'll be a lot from my mom's side and my dad's side, and they'll blend, and they're all friends all of a sudden. And uh, so it's more of a celebration of family than mm-hmm. like cultural. I mean, you guys don't get along. Oh yeah, for the most part, there's <laughs> there's not a lot of fighting. Like I don't know, like I mean, the black side of my family, there's yelling. Like yeah. there's like like there's like that's just exciting, yeah, exciting yeah, talk. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, a lot of yeah. Can't watch a movie with them though. <laughs> oh man, I went with my aunts this one time to a scary movie. Like it was so, it was like so stereotypical. It was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. And like black church is the best. And it like, happens. Yeah. My buddy moved to like from Vancouver. My childhood buddy moved to New York for three or four years. And he's like, it's unbelievable. Like they're they're in they're in a movie and they're yelling at the screen. It's like it actually happens. It's not like a it's stereotype. A, it's a real thing. It's not even stereotype. Yeah, it's on her phone. Like nah, I'm at a movie, but I can talk. And I'm like, I'm like. <laughs> Like, what are you doing? Oh, it's the best. You're like, oh, I'm the only white guy in here. I can't say anything. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, and I'm like so whitewashed. Like, I can't. I don't even like fit in with them. But like, I just love being around them. Like, it's, it's incredible. So, what did you what did you take away from Antarctica? Like, what? Like, firstly, like I saw your photos on Instagram. Yeah. Like, I thought Antarctica was like a sheet of ice. Like, you're on like a beach there. Oh, you're like, kind of. Okay, so the. The thing was, so I went to Argentina, I went to Buenos Aires, oh, okay. and then that's where those kind of beach photos were. And gotcha. then you take, you take um, the boat down to Ushuaia, which is like the most southern capital in like uh, South America, mm-hmm. and then you take that boat for like three days on open water, where you're just getting hammered by these waves. There's like five meter swells just in the middle of the day, and then you get to Antarctica, which yeah. you cruise through, and like the takeaway is like the silence you cruise through this thing and like the snow like absorbs the sound of everything so you're literally going through like the continent ice shelves yeah it's wow. unreal like you look out in these massive icebergs and like you look over and there's like just like um 
you know, dorsal fin of an orca or like a couple penguins just like chilling on like a random piece of ice that's drifting. And like, you see it in planet earth, you see it in like movies and you're like, this is like, that's not real. Mm -hmm. And then you just get the silence of it and you get this tranquility and it's just incredible. It's crazy. Did you, did you take a penguin home? Yeah, I did. So I, I, wait, can we edit that up? (laughs) (laughs) The authorities are still looking for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put him in my suitcase. He's well-dressed, well-behaved. Do they make noises or are they silent? Yeah, they make noise. It's like a cawy quack. It's like a kind of weird thing. So they're the best. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah, they're cool. I I remember watching, I don't remember like anything about it, but watching March of the Penguins. So that's like where that was set, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So, do, is there are are there any actual like towns or cities on the continent? You, it's illegal to you can there is you can like go and there's like research bases, mm-hmm. but you have to get permits to actually go onto the land. Mm-hmm. So you can go to like the Falcon Islands and get off, but like if you go to like the direct like um, continent Antarctica and try to get on the land, you have to get permits to step on it. Mm-hmm. You can't inhabit it. And you like it's like it's real serious, super protective. Yeah, it's incredible. It's because like like the most extreme national park you've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. And like, what is the purpose for keeping it so protected? Because they think idiot humans are just gonna yeah, like, we, we ruin everything. Well, we we like to go to warm places. Like, yeah. you don't often travel to cold places unless you're skiing. Yeah, I mean, you, the novelty of it is cr- like crazy. I was talking to this one girl, and she I was on the trip, and she was like, you know, we. I was, her friends went down there previously and there's like these tourists who were like very 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 well off and they got their permits to go on and they did like this like Instagram shoot and then they just like left like they're, she was telling me this one guy killed the penguin yeah exactly yeah wore it as a hat uh, so there's this one guy he was on top of a mountain he got like this huge scarf so he has like this like 80 meter Burberry scarf and like they just like wrecked this mountain up and then like left all these clothes and all these things for photo shoots and just like just uh, just destroyed the land so I'm assuming it's just like to protect it but like yeah I could just imagine like all these people going down there and taking these ridiculous shoots it's like it's like the Instagrammers who like lay in a bed of flowers like in (laughs) Netherlands and just like ruin everything and then they're like well yeah I got the shot yeah 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 people are interesting right like it's something about being a place that like no one else can get to that gives you social status oh, or like that like look at me I'm better than you because I got here yeah you know yeah exactly and then there's like people dying taking selfies and like it's the Grand Canyon deaths and like the stuff like the have you seen that trend where people are like hanging from like high up towers with like one hand yeah the crazy the, Russians the, yeah, the Russian guys yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it's crazy dude I can't watch that I get sweaty. I fall. Yeah. I like. I, I, I fall I'm in my too mind. clumsy to watch it. Yeah. I'm worried I'm gonna have nightmares about it that night. Wake up in a cold sweat. You know. Yeah. No, it's crazy. I, I people are unbelievable. Like you said, like yeah, there's like a status thing, and then it's just like this is how much money I have. Like, and then they just lose connection with like, you know, the environment, like what they, what they're actually doing there. Yeah. So. You've been to the Grand Canyon. Yeah. It's I, I couldn't believe how like unguarded it is. You can jump in. You, you can literally just jump up. You can kill the shit out of yourself if you want to. Did you see that video of that lady? She has her kid and she's like right near the edge and she like slips a little bit and like she's got her like six year old kid in her hand and like it almost she almost like launches it into the canyon. Oh my god! It, like I I don't I, I I saw these like kids like their parents were just like not even paying attention. Their kids are just like sliding on their butts down to the very fucking edge of it and 
I wanted to go grab them and pull them back. <laughs> I'm like, I'll probably screen. scare them and they'll fall and like I'll get thrown in jail. But like, yeah, yeah it's just I like. Oh. we're so we like we nerf society to steal a term from Joe Rogan like we yeah. nerf society so much to me like we're all about protecting people and like limiting freedoms to protect them yeah. I can't believe that that's not guardrailed all the way around the whole thing, I mean, I'm so I agree with it did you hear about okay I was at I was picking up some parts for my job and this lady told me this thing about uh, this this, per, this grandpa who's taking care of his like six month old or something on like a cruise ship and he went to like press the kid against this like glass and there was no glass there and he dropped this kid oh my squirmed, god and it fell and it you know unfortunately the child the child didn't make it but he's got to go back there and like tell the family no shit what do you do too like your if that's dog, your kid are you jumping in you, you gotta go you jump yeah i mean you he's gotta the go. uncle he was a grandpa the grandpa so well, telling, grandpa probably can't swim easily oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. sorry <laughs> guys yeah. no, technically that, i made that kid so yeah 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 like that's the extension of me but no you're right like it some of these things that just aren't protected, but some of these things that are over engineered and over protected are just mm-hmm. ridiculous. And then it almost takes like the special like charm away from things. Like mm-hmm. Grand Canyon was not as great as a, seemingly because of the population there, but like uh, it was just so you couldn't really go all the way down, and mm-hmm. it was so dense, and like it was just you know everyone wants to prevent people from going, but everyone also wants to be the one person that they allow to go, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Climb it's, the pyramid, it, yeah, yeah, it's like catch twenty two. It's like well, it'd be, be fine if I do this, yeah, right? I'm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everybody's their own like like superhero. But yeah. have you traveled a lot? Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. Where so you spent time in South America? Where else you go? South America. I went over Europe. Went all over Asia. Um, North America, pretty much everywhere. Um, where else have I been? Went to Italy, Greece. You Turkey. could be Italian. Like, I, if I, I saw you and you told me you're Italian, I'd yeah. be like 100% Evan's Italian. <laughs> I might just do it so yeah. I tuck my hands more. Yeah, like an excuse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But I get Spanish a lot, a lot, or native. So I like fit. It's nice traveling a lot. I fit in. Yeah, no wherever. shit. Yeah, I'd be, I stick out. I'm yeah, a tall, you, oh, pale yeah, white you can't guy. go anywhere. No. Yeah. I, I can go to Northern Europe and they're like, hey, you're one of us. Yeah, like, what get what happened to your blonde hair? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what place blew you away? Like, that, like, all your expectations of it were, like, either totally wrong or you were totally, like, pleasantly surprised with it? Oh, on a positive side, Greece and, like, the Amalfi Coast, it, mm-hmm. like, it's surreal. Like, you, like, you're in a picture there. Yeah. And, like, going to, like, Mykonos or, like, uh, Santorini and stuff. Like, you, like, you're literally just in a postcard. And it wasn't that busy when I went there. So, that was just amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I let me down, and I don't mean to deter the yeah. whole population from going here, China. I didn't like it at all. Really? Uh, Where'd you go in China? I went to uh, Beijing, Hong Kong. Yeah. And then somewhere else. But... Like the the vastness of it's like crazy. Like they have all these pyramids that are built around these man-made islands that are basically just like cities. But like the culture was so busy. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm trying to get on this uh, the metro and like I'm getting sh- elbowed. Like they like not. This is a cultural thing, so nothing against it. But they like spit a lot. Mm-hmm. Like they just get and hork so, too. Like, they like, hork a lot all oh. the time, and they spit on everything. And they weren't helpful. Like I'd be like, "Hey, you know, I gotta get to yeah. the, you know the Great Wall," and yeah. they all they have to do is point behind me because I'm an idiot. But like, <laughs> like, like, like nobody says well, that. The big one over there. Yeah, 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 yeah. That thing. Yeah, but no. Like compared to like Vietnam, they didn't 
like Vietnam, they were like, oh, I'll go here to do this, like yeah. come meet my family, like marry my daughter, like you know, like it was it was great, but like, like yeah, all right, yeah, okay, I got that. time. Like, uh, what struck me about China too is like because I've been quite a few places, um, but like how few people actually speak English there. Like you go almost anywhere else in the unreal. world, whether it's Europe or Southeast Asia or um, trying to think like. You know, Italy, like Croatia, totally. those places, most people speak at least a little bit of English, at least they're like, oh, enough to say no English. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah exactly. Whereas China, you're, if you're not there with a, with a translator, you are you're done. Up, up shit's creek for sure. What do you think of these little like Babel things? Have you used one like that, like translate for you? Does it do it in real time? In real time, I think. I don't know. I haven't tried that. What I did use when I was there is um, just Google Translate. So you talk, it yeah. records, and then it'll speak back to them. And I found that actually worked pretty well. I got stuck in this um, situation in which like a, fa- <laughs> yeah. a family friend, um, she like linked us up with her friend back home in China and they were going to like help us out because we were there filming something. Yeah. And she's like, oh yeah, like, so they organized the, um, the trip from the airport for us. We get there like the four of us and they pull up in like a Range Rover and a Mercedes SUV. These two guys look like Bruce Lee in a fucking tux, like yeah. a black suit, like men in black kind of thing. Yeah. And we're like, whoa, okay, these guys have money, all right? Yeah, and then they go. invited us to like the husband's antique shop. And so we're like, wow, we got a tight schedule of filming, but I guess if it's an antique shop, we can kind of like film some some cool like cultural art and that kind of yeah. stuff. And you can intercut that and use that for establishing shots and little interstitials. Mm. Um, and so we go there and it's just the security, just like the two bodyguards there that we picked us up from the airport. So I'm talking to them. They sit us down, like, like have this massive tea set and make us like have tea with them for an hour. It's amazing. And, I'm, and there's five of us at this point because another buddy joined who was over there already. Yeah. And I'm talking to one of them through the, through the other, through the phone and everyone else is just sitting there awkwardly. So finally I'm like, Hey, do you mind? Like, would you show us some of the artwork here? Yeah. So he starts showing us this art and he's like, yeah, this is like Emperor Ming from the ninth century's throne. And this is like his scrolls and this is like his sword and like all this like really old, really rare artifact stuff. And eventually I said, where are the price tags? Like how much does this cost? And he mm. goes, what do you mean price tags? I don't understand. And so I said, like, this is like a shop, right? Yeah. It's for sale. He goes, no, no, no. This private is my collection. boss's private collection. Oh man. <laughs> like, that'd like, be nice. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, but I forget why I was telling that story. <laughs> We're talking about culture. Oh yeah, the <laughs> yeah. culture. But um, yeah, no, it, it, it did strike me. So luckily, that was that was just that's an incredibly welcome. useful tool. That's great. Yeah, it's cool. Like, yeah, I'm so bad at retaining history and knowledge. Like, some people are so incredibly good at like, you know, they like, can talk about like, you know, their like their emperor in like the 15th century and like mm-hmm. a story about him and like his like wives and stuff like that and they just like retain this like really good storytelling with it and like i just have like random facts yeah you know <laughs> like, like that's all i know so, yeah I, this uh, happened at that time in this place yeah this is it and then yeah they're like oh okay well why was this happening i'm like well i haven't thought that much about it i got this in my head it's context though right yeah, like if you're learning because someone's like taking on a tour mentions it it's hard to like synthesize that and like build build a story around that like I find like I, you know, I read a decent amount yeah. and I'll read, you know, a 300 page book. And then like six months later, I'll remember like three facts from the book. And it's like, yeah. am I wasting my time by reading all these books? <laughs> yeah. But then if you read an article, you, you remember like one thing from the article and it's yeah, like, it's like, I think you have to absorb like way more than the actual points in order to retain those points. Like you have to build like the semantic connections to mm. memories and like, I remember this because I was there at this time and this thing happened in my life. 
that creates a stronger memory. Yeah, that's true, I guess. <laughs> I mean, what about these speed readers, you know? Like, do they... I don't understand that. I don't get they read, it. like, every third or fourth word. I understand... So I understand, like, psychologically, like, physically <laughs> yeah, how they, how they do, do it. it yeah. Because the, the mind fills in things, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, have you ever done that test where it, like, they have words in the middle of the word yeah. mixed up? But as long as the first word in the, or the first letter in this last letter like the right word. lined up or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can still figure it out. I think mm-hmm. it has something to do with that. Ah, You're just taking probably. snapshots across there. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> so in all, in all your travels, like, you come back to Edmonton. And, like, yeah. Edmonton, a lot of people, especially, like, people living outside of this city don't have a high opinion of it because they're like, what is Edmonton really about? Like, there's not a ton of culture here per se. And like Canada itself is like pretty immigrant heavy country, right? So you kind of get this like mosaic patchwork of different cultures. So like, what is it like, what does it mean to you to come back to Edmonton? What are the things that really like make you happy to be home? I love it, man. Like, like you said, Edmonton gets a bad rap here and there. And I, I really, really dislike when people just start like bagging on Edmonton like oh there's nothing to do there's nothing to see like all this stuff man we like festival season in the summer is crazy like if you get outside in the summer and like plan your days and weeks like we have like May till September of just like jam-packed things to do it's it's incredible and like even if you want to go to uh, like the mountain it's not even that far like it's I find it's so easy to come back and it's so easy to like be at home and um, you know our music scene is getting better and better and better maybe just because i'm like a lot more integrated in it like Mm -hmm. downtown edmonton but so i see a lot of it but it it, when i'm on these vacations and i'm away for like months at a time like i get homesick do you get homesick like do you a little bit like i more just get tired of being away more so than like oh i miss being home yeah like i'm able to like separate that like i really enjoy my life here yeah when i'm away i I soak up as much as i can and it depends why i'm away like when i'm traveling for work Mm -hmm. it's like there's always something next on the agenda and you're always driving yourself forward but when i'm traveling to like see places it can it can wear on a little because you miss your routine. I'm a creature of habit. Oh, I like too. going to the gym in the morning and like doing my work. I look lucky that I love what I do. <laughs> so I miss that. Like when I've been away for more than two weeks. Yeah, I yeah yeah I 100 percent on the same page as that. I also nice thing about Edmonton. I don't know if you find it, but I do. Where it's in it's in like this you know it's in this stage right now where we're not quite at a million people or whatever. Maybe we are at this point. I think if you include St. Albert or yeah. Park and stuff, but um every like if it feels so um malleable right now like there's all these little projects that guys like you know yourself you know a couple of my friends a couple of people that we know are working on mm-hmm. and it's shaping the city and it's just at this stage where like things can take effect so well if you do them properly like like all these pro- programs for like mental health like all these like music you know events like all these you know things like your podcast like the city's like fresh enough so like you can grab a pretty like captive audience quickly mm-hmm. and make it effective and we're kind of shaping the city to make it our own right now mm-hmm. so we're at like this like perfect age where it's like you know we if you do something you're passionate about you do it well the city's able to retain it mm-hmm. and you can grow with the city right you know it's yeah. kind of cool and it's not like it's it's big enough like right around a million where You've got all the essential services. You've got people trying cool things, like you said. But it's not so big that you feel like you're just stuck in this anonymous ocean, right? Like, yeah, do this in Toronto. Like, yeah. you're like, you know, like you and I could go walk around downtown, and I bet you talk to like ten random people, and I bet you eight, eight out of those ten people we'd have a mutual friend with, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. 
I wonder if we get to that point where we've got like AR glasses that are connected to our social media <laughs> yeah. and it's like, how many mutual connections of that person? Yeah, you know? Black Mirror stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, that's the next step. How much would you hate that? <laughs> would you uh, like it? Depends it depends who you are. I mean, like, would you some, like it? some people like anonymity. I think like, I think, um, you know, privacy is, is eroding away and I don't mm. necessarily think that's a bad idea. Like, okay, so Google's taking my information, packaging and selling it, mm. but like how useful has Google been to me? Like how much value has it provided me through my life between Gmail, between Google drive, between maps, man, like, like just being able to be anywhere in the world and just like know exactly where you are and go to where you need to be it's the best like going back to travel too that's like the second i get to a place my first thing is like draw my bags off of the hotel and then i google like rooftop patio yeah you know and like, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, yeah. and like and then, i think i'm the same yeah yeah exactly you know and it just leads you there and then like the next time i'm in a city like it has like a you know like that algorithm that's kind of like oh we know you like doing this so yeah. like here's what here's your spot here's your spot yeah, yeah. and yeah, it's let us know what you great. think <laughs> yeah exactly and yeah the one thing so people always like pine for the old days where it's like yeah but it takes the adventure out of it and like uh, i get that but it just puts people more in control of their own adventure in a sense the one drawback i see is like when i'm somewhere so i'm in melbourne a couple years ago and mm. um i'm looking at like best places to go grab a cocktail or best spots for lunch or you know coolest spot you know whatever but the problem is having so many options you're like it's hit or miss right you're always left wondering like oh would it have been better to go to this other place like how do you pick of all these great options how do you pick the one yeah whereas if you're just wandering and some like some locals you meet on the street go hey you gotta go to this place it's the best spot and Mm -hmm. you go you go there thinking yeah this is the best fucking spot in this place that's so true and I have, like, the worst FOMO of all time. So, <laughs> yeah. like, I, like, within saying that you're like, hitting the nail on the head with me, I'm like, I'll go to one spot and then I'll look at my phone and I'll be, it'll, it'll be like, oh, well, this place is, you know, a little bit more west and get a little bit more sun, you mm-hmm. know. And then I'll talk to somebody and they'll be like, I'll be like, well, how's, you know, Top Bar? And they'll yeah. be like, oh, Top Bar is so sick. And then all of a sudden I pay my check going across the city. Yeah. And like, yeah. So. Um, when you go, when you travel, because, like, you're a, you're a, pretty high level soccer player right like yeah do you do you go trying to engage in sports around the world uh well for uh, just i guess i used to be i mean i had two surgeries so i had to hang up the jersey but i've always had like this dream where i'd like to mm-hmm. i would always have this dream like you you know when you're in south america like i mean they're gonna be tenfold mm-hmm. better they're like juniors are gonna be like our like you know major league styles of player but no i've you know i've when i've been on trips at, at the hotel i'll jump into like um, some like, like if they have like a gym people are like juggling a ball like maybe I'll jump into it or um, you know um, when last month I was in BC some people were playing basketball and I'd jump into it but like never never in a grander scale but I don't think I would be able to like hang with them you know have you gone to have you gone to soccer games around the world no not even that's another thing that I haven't done I've tried to you know integrate sports into my life as much as I can here mm-hmm. and then I like go away and I'm always like yeah, I'm gonna jump to a soccer game. Like, I'd love to go to um, like a, like an F1 race somewhere. Oh so yeah, the best. Do you, ever, do you watch that series on Netflix? Is it uh, Drive to Survive? Oh, it was wild. Like, it's I, I was not an F1 fan before, and I didn't I have, follow it. But I'm like, I would love to go to a race. If, uh, yeah, I know everything now, like because of that series. Like, you yeah. know, like pretend like as much as they told me, right? But like, no, it's good. But yeah, I would love to 
try do you think you can like hang like because you play a lot of hockey like do you th- i mean canadian hockey is like the epitome right it's like the mecca of yeah when i go junior elsewhere league. everyone yeah. assumes i'm the best hockey player in the yeah, country of course right? like, yeah, yeah or yeah. in their country at least yeah exactly yeah like this i really like going to like in, like engaging and like kind of submersing myself in like local sports culture mm-hmm. so like when i was in ireland i went to a rugby match which was a wild in dublin mm-hmm. and then i went to a hurling match which like the day yeah. before i didn't even know what hurling was but to like see how the fans interact and see how the game is run like i find all that stuff really interesting it'd be great to go to darts have yeah. you seen like going to darts in like england <laughs> like it would be apparently apparently it's the craziest yeah the craziest i didn't know uh, about this till recently sport. yeah it's wild. A buddy of mine was going to go down there and he went to go book his tickets for darts. The whole schedule starts in like January. So don't, don't quote me on that. But <laughs> yeah. it was sold out every single sheet for the full year. It's insane. Crazy. That's wild. Like for darts, like that's something you just don't even pay attention to when you go to a bar and you see someone playing, right? Yeah. But to them, it's like a whole party mentality, right? Everyone's mm-hmm. drinking. It's all. It's this full culture, you know. Of- Those guys are the biggest nerds. Oh, yeah. I see those darts players. Like they're. <laughs> There's, I haven't seen a single guy that walks up and you're like, oh, that guy looks like he could, you know, be a model or he yeah. could be like, you know, a Wall Street dude. Whereas like every athlete in like soccer, basketball, hockey, baseball, yeah. they all look slick as fuck. Yeah. Right? Like, we, should, we should start getting good at darts and just be like the like the like celebrities of the dart world. Just getting all these contracts and yeah. stuff. Walk yeah. in a Conor McGregor suit yeah. and roll up with your walk-up song. Yeah. Like shit talking to everyone. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. I'm going to be the fucking dart champion of the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm in. I don't know. I got bad death perception. Because one eye's not so good on me, so I don't oh. think I'd be very good. Okay, yeah, I'll th- you can be my hype man then. Hype man, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Could get it's into like it. Jacket, hold yeah. It. You've got more character in your look than you got the beard. You got the nice hair. I'm pretty like I'm pretty bland when it comes to my look. So I feel like you'd be the celebrity. If if we have to do it that way, I mean, if we have to. Yeah. So um, what I like, you know, when I come back to Edmonton is is like you said, people support each other, and it's like a really social scene if you want it to be. Like, I I find probably the biggest challenge with all the things that you mentioned is like, it's hard to find them if you're not looking for them. So like you say, like May to August, you know, you can't miss a a fringe party or or whatever, a festival. Like, like, I don't know, like I've missed a lot of that stuff. Might because like I'm holed up here working all day Mm -hmm. and like, you know, go through periods where I don't drink. And so you're like not looking for the party, but it's, you know, there's not one sort of like aggregated place. There's not a lot of good... Um, apps or like sites that really encompass everything there mm-hmm. are there are apps and things that do it like if you google you know best of edmonton or best things of like you know yeah. best music or whatever's happening on january to 34th you know uh there are apps but they're they're, they're not great mm-hmm. i mean sorry for anybody who's well yeah they don't know? have a giant user base right yeah and it, i mean that's probably hard to build but like the best way to you know find out about all these things is just like communicating and like you said if you're hold up like held up in the house working all day you're mm-hmm. not going to hear about them yeah you know none of us really, i don't know if you do like i don't really have cable anymore mm-hmm. like I, you just i mean i got on instagram but unless they're sponsoring their festival you're not going to see it you know it's you know it'd be interesting if instagram integrated like uh, like a snapchat map where yeah. you could see like all the people that you follow populated, like how many pictures are being taken in a perfect or a, a particular geographic area. There you go. Right. So if you've got like Bombfest going on in the River Valley, yeah, you don't know about it, and then you pull up Instagram one day and you say like, oh shit, like 
50 of my friends just uploaded like 300 photos from this one spot. And What's then, going on? Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, I, need to be, I need to be there. Yeah, even if you like integrate into like last year mm-hmm. with like an up and coming thing. Like yeah. last year, like, you know, 600 people took photos like this weekend at whatever, like, uh, you know, uh, Folk Fest or whatever. 600, it's pretty low. <laughs> someone, someone who's got more technological acumen than me can take that idea and make a million off it. Yeah, talk to the guys at Agent. They can, they're they pretty, they're pretty handy. So. Well, it's true. Like we, we find the things that people like, but then it's about how do you drive that attention to it. Yeah. And like, you know, that's the double-edged sword of social media. Like in the one sense, it's great to find what you're looking for, but mm-hmm. sometimes it makes you feel like you're being left out or, you know, like we hear about mental health all the time in terms of like what social media is doing to like younger kids, even how old are you? I'm 30, 30. Yeah. I'm 31. So like even what it's doing to our, our age, like we got it at the kind of, we got it like the second most perfect time. We got it when we were like, you know, pretty much like full fledged, at least 18 year old, 19 year olds. Right. Like, so we weren't like basing our identities around this social media. I feel bad for kids who were like, born in like 2006 and who like grew up and their parents didn't know any better Mm -hmm. and and they didn't know like you know the restrictions that you should have on screen time and like all that stuff and they just like had open season on on social media and the internet could you imagine you're it's growing up a day and age as a kid like can you imagine not being able to escape it Mm -hmm. i mean we had stuff like msn or Mm -hmm. nextopia when you got home from school but like now it's like you screw up at school and somebody takes a video and now it's on snapchat and tiktok and Instagram and then you get home and your phone's blowing up. Like yeah. the kids nowadays, you're eight or nine and you have a cell phone. Yeah. You're getting like cyber bullied by like all these kids, whether they know they're doing it or not, like you're just you can't yeah. escape it. And like you you said we had we had like the we had like the testing mm-hmm. uh, time for yeah. it, but And not being yeah. old enough at that age to know that it doesn't really mean shit all. Like, yeah. You know, like I'd hope that people our age, if, you know, you get some bad press about you or, you know, mm. something comes up, it's like, yeah, that sucks. And you <clears throat> you feel embarrassed or ashamed or whatever. Yeah. But like, man, it's going to blow over in a week. Like no, yeah. one, no one gives a shit what you do. Right. Like, yeah, that's a, that's a mature mental thought though. Like a lot of people aren't like that. You know, everyone takes, thinks they're the center of the universe. Yeah. That's yeah, the yeah. Everybody's <laughs> thinking about them all day. Like they, they like blew their nose weird and they're like thinking about like two months down the line they're like oh Brian from the captain's on me yeah. you know like, and like you talk to Brian he's like oh I don't remember that yeah. like at all like, no. you know no, that's yeah. not even on my radar I got fucking bills to pay man yeah, yeah. Like, you know? like, like it's not on my radar I don't yeah. care about this but yeah. some people care and like you know I I suspect so here's one I've noticed a lot having worked in a bar for a long time seems like a lot of girls are doing the lip injection thing now it's crazy right yeah. crazy, and you know. the only thing I can imagine that that attributes to that is like social media we're no longer back in the day right like we're social creatures and we we arrange in social hierarchies based on sort of like cloud or status or whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. but like when we were sort of evolving that was that was based on your immediate surrounding that's based on your community your tribe your group whatever it is Mm -hmm. so you're, you're only comparing yourself to those people in that group right yeah now we have access to everyone around the world so everyone's now only comparing themselves to the top of the top one person 0.1% 0.1% of 8 billion people. Yeah. Right? So it, it creates this feeling of 
um, inadequacy, if you will, mm -hmm. because you're like, oh, I don't look like Christian Ronaldo or I don't look like, I don't know who's hot these days for girls. Uh, I like Elizabeth Turner. No, Elizabeth. I don't know. Yeah. You're like, I don't know. Like Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. yeah Scarlett Joe or whatever. Uh, you know, it's, it's crazy. Do you like, do you follow celebrities on Instagram? Like, do you do that? More so athletes or like movie stars that I think are awesome and Funny, hilarious. Yeah, like, yeah. like, uh, Chris Hemsworth. Cause I'm he a huge like, Marvel yeah. dork. Right. Yeah. But he just seems like the coolest fucking like, guy right, in the world. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, Ryan Reynolds, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but no, I don't follow like uh, uh, like a, the Jenners or um, you know the Kardashians. Like I'm just not interested in that stuff. Well, like you said, it's so unhealthy for a lot. I mean, not to just point out a specific sex, but like for girls, like you said, they see like these gorgeous women, mm -hmm. and then they they try to embody them. Mm -hmm. And truly, some of them, I don't mean to offend anybody, you can't do it. Like you're not gonna be yeah. on their level. It's a genetic factor. Stay in right? your lane, and your yeah, your personality and your beauty is gonna thrive elsewhere. But like, it's 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 an odd one. Oh, but like, don't you know? Don't think. Don't mistake that for not going both ways too. Like, don't think that when I'm in the gym, I'm not pretending I'm Chris oh, Hemsworth and Thor, right? Trying to be like, God, I want to look like Thor, you know? And that's healthy too, I guess, to want better and then yeah. do better. But like, I, there's just that medium with like your your mental state and your confidence that yeah. you just need to kind of find out that, Hey, I'm not going to look like this, but you know, maybe yeah. one part of me can, but yeah. I guess that goes back to like lip injections. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not like a gorgeous Australian man with like no? perfect skin, wow. blonde hair and a, and a beautiful accent. Yeah. But I think like too, it's fine to like want to be better. I think that's a really important trait. Mm -hmm. Um, but a, like what are you valuing is better, right? Like, yeah. and it should go deeper than superficial. And then also like what's, just learn to love that process. Like learn to follow in love with the process of trying to get better and not thinking that when you get to some end goal, when I'm X weight or, or, you know, X percent body fat or my ass is now 56 inches around or whatever the yeah. measurements are, that that's going to be when I hit my goal and I'm happy now. It's right? never going to be a thing. That's mm -hmm. yeah, everybody thinks that, you know, you have like this set goal and a set person you want to be. And you're never that person changes mm -hmm. as you progress too. Like, oh, okay, well, you know, now I have the arms, okay, but like, you know, this person has better abs and this person yeah. has better hair, and now you're like creating this like, you know, this Frankenstein of a person that you're never gonna be able to aspire to. Yeah, can you chunk up your life into like periods where you were like concerned or like goal oriented at X, Y, and Z? Like, what what have been your stages of life? You know, it's for me, it's becoming more evident, like as I go by, like just with my, my mental maturity, you know, when I was when I was younger, like always, you know, I was planning on being a soccer player. You know, I was I was good at it. I had like a great coaching staff around me, like some of the guys we used to play with are now playing pro like mm -hmm. they like it was great. So those are my goals. You know, I and when did you get your injury and what did you have? Uh, uh, was it like five or six years ago? I tore ACL, MCL, meniscus. Mm -hmm. And then I'm bad tackle or what? Yeah, bad tackle. Like I remember it. You know, I was going in and somebody gave just me gave me a pass, and it was you know just like basically what you call a suicide pass. Turned into it, twisted my knee like basically backwards, and oh. then went down and went to the hospital. And the doctor, I guess I saw, was kind of a dunce and said, you know, you're fine. You know, just rehab it a bit, go to physio. And what he did, like Connor McDavid did. Yeah, I, I mean, you would know better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I gotta watch the doc. Yeah, see how he did it. So. I went back to playing and eventually just tore it. Couldn't walk, couldn't go, yeah. you know? So I had great surgery, 
um, do the six months uh, crutches, do the full year of rehab, mm. get back to playing. And then I go, um, I go to play again, and I started like getting higher, uh, better, better at snowboarding too. Mm-hmm. So a little bit, a uh, little bit. Um, also, another thing great for your knees. Right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> snowboarding and soccer, the two best things that are for your knees. Yeah, so I started playing a lot of like higher level soccer. I started playing like doing a lot of snowboarding. Tore my ACL MCL again. Had to go to surgery again. So second surgery. Been out for like three years, basically mm-hmm. like rehabbing, and you know, I t- decided it wasn't worth it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, is that your goal to be a pro, like in one of those two sports at that point? Well, you know, kind of, I like when I was younger, soccer for sure. Like it died out as the injuries started coming. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, my mind kind of, you know, I was looking for other things, you know? So with the soccer, like I, once my knee went, I started, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, I was never the best soccer player on the team. Mm -hmm. I was, um, you know, a higher to upper 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 level of the team but never the superstar but still you know like hey like i can still you know go on and play and you know for team canada i can go on and do these other things you were like team canada good no no maybe you know what if i would have put in the work when i was a lot younger like like some of the guys did and like say i was at that level but really who knows um yeah like i don't know like i was trying out for like like or like playing in stuff like Team Alberta and like mm-hmm. you know like in called the Premier. So you're on that trajectory. I was on yeah, that you way. The precipice of the wave, but you were in the wave. Yeah, and okay. I didn't. I but my problem, I didn't have the work ethic in that aspect of a lot of these other guys. Like they were just workhorses. So you know, and then I get injured, and then that goal kind of falls, and mm-hmm. then um, that fuck you up a little bit. Yeah, mentally, you know, you get kind of you get so you get so disappointed in yourself and like, why can't I, why did it happen to me? And you get down on yourself and you know, that's when you start getting to other portions of your life. So like, that's really, you know, that was like age 16 and like you're really like high development years. So I, that's when you take to like other things. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's like second portion of my life. If we're talking about like, you know, breaking it up a little bit. Um, that's really when I started like drinking. Right. Mm-hmm. I was like, when I was like 16, 17, that was like the first time I had experience with drugs. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, you can kind of get away from these things. You know, you can start getting away from, you know, I'm not good enough, but like you can stay still get the same high, get the same dopamine release mm-hmm. from the energy you get from your friends, from your, from your drugs. And then, you know, your, your focus shifts. Yeah. You go, oh, okay. Like, yeah. you know, I don't have to stay so high energy playing soccer. I can yeah. do it, you know, with, uh, I can feel like a bit of a social success yeah. without having to put in all that work and practice. And right. all I have to deal with is a shitty hangover the next day. Exactly. So, you know, like, um, and you don't, when you're that young, you don't really realize what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. All you know is I'm happy right now. Let me get into this. Mm-hmm. Like, let me start on this path. People think I'm funny, you know, like mm-hmm. I can be a part of a team and it's whether it be a drinking team, like uh, like a gang, which some people got into, like you're just, you know, it's a team mentality again. Yeah. So it's familiar. People go to where they're accepted, right? Yeah. And it, yeah. it could be anything. It could be outside the lock. Like, yeah, 100%. So, so yeah, I mean, and so I started getting into, uh, once I started dropping out of soccer and sports a little bit more, like it started to really teeter, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, so I still snowboarded and played soccer throughout until I was like 20, you know, but I, I wasn't taking it seriously. Like, uh, I found that I could still play, like, I'd, like, drop divisions a little bit, and I could still play that high level, mm-hmm. but not put the effort in. Like, there's times where, you know, you would be on the team, and people were like, 
like doing lines in the changing room Holy and shit, like you really? know people like i remember when i was younger makes you run faster yeah it's, <laughs> if like, you do like a quicker and you focus and like that's not i mean i wouldn't do it all the time like it happened and mm-hmm. uh, a lot some of the guys would be like this is what you need to do and it's crazy but you know it like the sports just became such like a like um it got put on the back burner like it just became like okay i have to play sports so i can like maintain this level or it's because i have to, like it's something i should be doing mm-hmm you know so you'd have things like people are like drinking vodka on the bench so they can go out after you know and this is like not like high level stuff but it's like you know you're playing like premier div one Mm -hmm. like it's still it's still high up there and like you're just you're creating such a bad mental atmosphere for yourself and your team and like it's just it's crazy so that's kind of the road i started going down and then as you know i started not making teams and i started fall apart what what do you look into this mm-hmm. is the one thing you're good at yeah so you jump into booze and you jump and just jump into drug drugs a little bit so yeah and i mean as the soccer falls away like that was what was important to you at that <laughs> point and then you like you've got to fill that void like we all need things that we kind of fill our time and our, our mental energy with yeah and like the you know the drug thing can be such a alluring sort of situation to be in because you feel like these are your best friends. You feel like these are like, these are my people and like, we're all in this together. Mm. And then I think like your perspective just isn't there. Like, A, cause you might be high, but like also because just as you grow and mature, like I know I've been in lots of situations in my past, like mid twenties where I look back now yeah, and I'm like, like, how did I not see how stupid that was? How did I not get it? Like, why did I think that was an okay thing to do? Like, <laughs> You know, and if you've never, if you've never like felt success in, in other realms, if you never had anything like more important than that situation, mm-hmm. then, um, yeah, then it can seem like that's, that's sort of what it's all about. It, totally. You, you know? know, you jump into these things and yeah, like you, say, you create these atmospheres and you think, uh, it's the coolest thing to do. It's like a new sport. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not to say like when I was in these uh, situations, I wasn't doing other stuff. Like that's my like twenties. I really started getting into my like volunteerism, which mm-hmm. thank God. Was like, that like a total like? Were you trying to balance the scales a little bit? I, not, 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 not like so purposely. I mm-hmm. knew something I had to do. Like my family's so good at keeping, you know, me and my sister in line and telling us what's important. Like they're amazing mm-hmm. people, and so they you know like they set a standard for my sister and i and you know so whether it be sports okay i'm not doing sports anymore so how do i impress them you know Mm -hmm. i'm i'm now running this like i'm now rotarian or i'm running this charity or i'm like doing this other stuff so like you kind of you know you want to you want to have them um you know looking towards you as like a success but if you can't do it one way you're going to find another way and thank god i had that you know perspective on them Mm because like i I've had friends with a similar situation as I have and they didn't really care or give a shit what their give a shit and not gave yeah. a care what their parents said and they just got they went just like yeah. nose dived right so yeah so like throughout my 20s like I just was in this realm of like you know living downtown and doing this drugs and like um, partying and stuff like that and it was you know it gets really intense but like you have to find those little things that that do make you actually a whole person feel like a worthwhile <laughs> individual, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. find that purpose somewhere right did your parents know what was going on no that that's uh yeah that's quite the story no um so 
do I guess we can just get into this. So <laughs> whatever, whatever you yeah, want to yeah, get yeah, into. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure, man. So like last month, um, I'll start at the end and then we'll kind of work our way back. Yeah, right, yeah. Like, you know, storytelling, creative right? storytelling, yeah. unlinear. Yeah. So, <laughs> so last month, uh, beginning of December, I went to rehab mm-hmm. for uh, drugs, alcohol, and you know just to get better perspective and. Um, before that, you know, for the past year, like 2019, I was just on this like slippery slope of mental health issues and like body issues and, you know, addiction issues. And it was just like this storm of, you know, pressure on me that I can only find um, a release from drugs, mm-hmm. right? You know, um, throughout the year, you know, I was. Um, part of the Rotary Club I was like one of the board members of the Rotary Club I was running like Hill Yay well not running it but you know part of like a big you know I was one of the co-founders of it still am obviously mm-hmm. uh, working like crazy um, you know trying to be I'm like incredibly social guy so like trying to balance all these things trying to find a relationship so um, that year I just like almost stopped yeah you know I like a couple of years ago, like I was, all these things were building. And then at the beginning of that year, everything was just happening so prominently. I was like scared really. And so I just took to, you know, the easiest way out to just turn my brain off. Mm-hmm. And so I just took to doing, you know, a lot of drugs. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, throughout the year, you know, I would, you know, you get caught up in these social situations where you're, you're out and about and then you, you know, it's a Wednesday and then you go to one of these bars that we all like frequent, you know, mm-hmm. you're at, um, shout out local Jasper. <laughs> yeah, 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 local, yeah, church, you're at Greta, you're wherever, you yeah. know, and, uh, you know, you, you get into this pattern of like, you go out and then maybe the next day you're hungover at work, but I wasn't like, that's a normal person thing to do. Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing that. I started going out on like a Wednesday, staying up all night, working Thursday, going out on Thursday. Uh, staying up all night, going to Friday, probably doing a half day, going home on Friday night, probably not going out all night, and then, you know, waking up Saturday and partying all weekend. Like, yeah. I was I was sleeping, like, less and less, and, like, thought I was still maintaining a productivity, and, like, all the while, I have all these meetings in the evenings that I have to, like, go to while I was kind of, like, high, and, like, mm-hmm. it, was, it was a lot, a lot of pressure, and, like, you don't realize you know you're not you're not there like yeah. you're in two places at once like your mind is thinking about drugs and but you're like you're physically in a room of people who are relying on you and or you're not even at these rooms because you're doing drugs but mm-hmm. like you know um it just got like for the year i don't remember an activity that i was at that i wasn't high at mm. whether it be a charity event whether it be um you know i mean some like i took some work days off obviously but like um you know, whether it be a charity event, whether it be, you know, hanging out with friends, whether it just be going out for social beers, a hockey game, like mm-hmm. I just had this reliance now on drugs, right? Does it almost become like a bit of a, like a challenge to yourself? Like I can handle all this, I can get through it? Like a little bit, you know, like, yeah, you, you've, um, you create this like codependency on it and like you, you want to still be that person who you were. Mm-hmm. So you, you do challenge yourself a little bit like and you know you have these conversations with these people who are like kind of at the same level as you are right now and you know they're the worst advice givers of all time like like you're like you're like oh man like i'm gonna quit like as soon as like my financing my relationships and yeah. my like job get like um you know jeopardy but like no 
obviously not you just find a way to work these things like Mm -hmm. while you're like you know inebriated so anyways i go through the year and then there's this one like it all boils really down to like this one week Mm -hmm. you know on the way in um up until that point you know like you're living like this um well i was living like this downtown scene life or like you know how we get treated when we go places like everybody's welcoming like mm-hmm. you walk into a bar it's high fives it's free drinks it's yeah. you know all these things so it was like that times a thousand so you feel like a celebrity right? you're, you're a rock star you're, yeah. you're you're a rock star right and then what makes you feel even more like a rock star you know putting mm-hmm. drugs into it right so um and you know the com like the conversations never end and you always think it's the last party which is the opposite of true <laughs> you know like there's always going to be more things to do so there's this one week and um and I, I started partying like i just went over like on a wednesday mm-hmm. and then i went until um sunday evening i think hudson's had like their like birthday their like big birthday bash so i was a shell of a person i slept mm-hmm. from four for four hours from wednesday to from Wednesday to Monday and um, I thought I was maintaining you know and we get back downtown and we're out there's a bunch of people over my place and I catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror and I'm like jaundice like I do not look good I'm gangly I look like a skeleton Mm -hmm. and I haven't eaten in a couple days and I'm like oh my god like I need to get I need to do something right so I kick everybody out of my house and um, I phone my mom Mm -hmm. And up until this point, you know, I was really, I was really not pulling the wool over my parents' eyes because they knew, like, mm-hmm. they're your parents. They always know. But I phone her and I'm like, I'm having an anxiety attack. Like, come and get me. Mm-hmm. You know, I just need to do something. So my mom, she comes and gets me. She picks me up. And uh, she's like, okay, just, you know, I love you. Come home. Right. And she's the best. Right. Come home. Go home with her. And um, the next day, um, I had to go get like kind of bonded and like do a drug test for my work. Yeah. At this point, I work for my family company, and Jesus. so like I my anxiety's through the roof. Yeah. You know, and so I go in, and my dad takes me, and I can't drive because I got picked up, and I'm still like this like, you know, skeleton person. Yeah. And uh, go do the drug test, and like he leaves, and I'm talking to this lady. I'm like, listen, like. I'm gonna fail this drug test, <laughs> like you know, like, yeah. like, and like and my like, piss is brown right nah, now. Like, Let's I not kid ourselves. I was there like four hours. Like I couldn't pee. Like I was squirting out like you know, like <laughs> like an eye drop, a dry dropper worth. And so I'm like, oh my god, like what did she do? And like, so I'm trying to like actually draw out advice on like how to like manipulate this drug test because yeah. you know I'm still high. Like, and I think I'm the smartest person on the planet. Like right. I can figure this out. Like nobody else has it. Yeah, limitless. Okay. Yeah, so it's yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm like, okay, whatever. I don't figure it out. And then I'm, I get shipped back home. And then the next day I wake up, I'm a little bit fresher, but I have a therapy session and um, I go to my therapist and she audibly is just like, you look, terrible mm. you're acting weird what's going on yeah. and i tell her like i tell her the story about how i've been up and partying for days at a time and she goes you know we've talked about this before like you're telling your parents today and mm. like she's the greatest like she's so funny and like just it gets me and like just tells me how it is she's like i don't yeah, care just judgment free and no bullshit yeah right? yeah and she's like i don't care what you think you're telling them today yeah. and like you know i knew i had to and i knew i wanted to and i knew that it was going to be huge and in my mind i was like no like yeah i don't want to do this it's like telling your dad that you you know crashed the car when you weren't supposed to be driving it you know like I'm, they're just going to be disappointed in me they're going to hate me and like my life is going to be over like i felt like i was 12 
and my life was going to be over, mm-hmm. you know. So I, uh, I talked to my parents and I go, listen, guys, uh, come over tonight, come to my place, um, show up around six or whatever, and um, I'll, uh, I just have something to tell you, and you know they do. Like mm-hmm. so, I'm sure my mom's, my actually my dad's probably more emotional than my mom is. Like so, they're like waiting the day out, and I get home and it's like around four. And they're coming over in a couple hours and I'm sitting there and I'm still, you know, kind of buzzing from the weekend. I haven't really eaten at all. And uh, my mind is like, how are you going to tell these people that love and have raised you and given Mm -hmm. you everything that, you know, you're screwing it all up. Right. So I'm like, I've got an idea. I need some confidence. Oh, fuck. <laughs> you know, this is going oh, on. Yeah. So like, you're all in. I'm all in, yeah. you know, and I'm, a, I'm an all or nothing kind of guy. So like I pick my phone up, like I look at it, I go, like I look at the, the, the number of the person and right when I'm about to dial, my parents knock on the door. Wow. Right saved when I, it by was the fucking bell. Saved by the bell, like for sure. So they come in. And um, they sit on the couch, and I, I'm not really that much of an emotional guy, but like, I'm bawling. Of course, these are your parents. Yeah, and I'm not used to seeing them like this. And I know, in my mind, in my mind, I don't think, I know that they're going to be pissed off, and they're going to be, well, which they have to be, you know, they're going to like disown me, they're going to tell me that I'm, you know, like a loser and all these things, right? So I sit down, I'm looking at them crying, and then I go, guys, listen, like, I'm a drug addict mm-hmm. and like it just getting it out was the hardest thing I've ever done is that the first time you ever said that first time I've ever said yeah. to them up to them I've been lying to them pulling the wool over their eyes like hey like I don't do these things like I'm just drunk and I do have a high anxiety but like that's not the point mm-hmm. they they looked at me and they said we know we don't care we love you mm-hmm. and it was like this it like nobody does that like and that like you know I just had this sudden realization like hey these people don't they that like they don't care what you do they want the best for you they know you have it in you like they just want to help you out for sure right and it was unreal like my mom was crying my dad was tearing up like and they're just like just come home and like just come home dude and it just meant more than just you know physically go to their house mm-hmm. it was like we just want our boy back mm-hmm. and I was like oh my god. And so, you know, like it was crazy. So I, we did that. And then so I pack up some stuff. I go home and, um, you know, I start looking at rehab centers with my mom. Mm-hmm. And it was the best decision that I've ever made in my entire life. Like I've tried to go to rehab before. And like in my own thing, like I went to, for my 30th birthday, I went to Tucson and got like this like villa and like, was just like, I'm going to like, you know, find my mental health. And I was doing yoga and I was yeah. sitting in a hot tub and I was reading. White knuckling it essentially. Yeah, right? exactly. But you know, they're, like I didn't have the tools to make myself better. So I got home and like two weeks afterwards, I'm staying up until, yeah. you know, uh, Wednesday. You're just having a slightly more philosophical talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just a little point, bit more right? like in tune with my like, own reality. But yeah, no. But it was it was crazy. So yeah, checked in uh, December first. Yeah, yeah. So. So once you make that decision, it's probably such a relief because you're like, look, I'm owning this now. There's no like wishy-washy. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. It's like you put yourself on notice, and then there's no other option. It's not like. I might go at some point. It's like, no, I'm going, I'm doing this. And and to not go is not an option. Yeah. And that's like the thing with a lot of things in life. Like I, you know, I've gone through periods where I hadn't drank because I, you know, not like struggled with alcohol. I don't know that that has 
all these types of implications to it. And I certainly like had challenges, mm-hmm. but like I made decisions at certain points in my life to like not drink for long periods of time. So like first time was 10 months yeah, and then second time was nine months. And it was like, everyone asked me like, isn't it, you know, how do you not drink? Like, isn't it hard to, like, you don't even have one beer, two beers. I'm like, no, no, it's like, once you make that choice that you're not doing it, yeah. then it's, then it's easy. Then it's not even an option, right? It's like cleaning your room. Oh, I don't want to clean my room. Yeah. It's like, oh, I should, I don't, but I'm not, I don't want to. If you're like, no, I'm cleaning my room, then it's way easier to do. It's, 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 it's like a fickle little thing. You know, you think about it in such a short term scale. Mm-hmm. Like if you think about, you know, listen, I'm not going to drink for a month. Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, you have a slip in that month. Like most people just go balls to the walls. Yeah. But like, cause they have a really narrow perspective of like what they want to do. But like you said, like if you give it like a huge, like, hey, I'm just going to do this now. Like this is me now. Um, And if I flip, if I slip, I fall like, you know what? Hey, like I just want to not drink. You know, it's not like, well, I I guess it's more like a grieving process. Mm -hmm. Like you're like, okay, I'm giving this up. And that's what people really miss about it. They're Mm -hmm. like, oh, like I'm killing this part of me. Yeah. Right, and so that's a hard thing for a lot of people. But if you realize, like, no, this part of me is dead, mm-hmm. it's a whole different story. Yeah, and ex- and like to do that, you have to think like, what was this part of me even gaining? Right, like, <laughs> what what benefit does this have to me in the long run? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it it's it really is tough because you're used to going out. Like, I'm a pretty social person, but like, be sure, like, when I'm drinking, I'm way more social. Uh-huh. So if I'm in the middle of a ten month stint of not drinking, and you know, I'm kind of like. I'm getting tons of work done. I'm being really productive. But yet, like, when I go out, I see people being the life of the party and that. Mm. And I'm kind of like, fuck, like, you know, I wish, you know, I miss that part. I miss doing that. Yeah. You have to be okay with, like, life can be mundane but good at the same time, right? It's That's a huge realization. Like, I still don't have that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have any real, I have things figured out. But, like... Hey, you're fresh into it. Yeah, of course, super right? fresh. Like, and that's a part of it. Like, I am that guy who, you know, I want to walk in a room and I want everybody to be like, oh, it's here, like high fives yeah. and like ass slapping, you know, like, and going to these, uh, this like rehab clinic and going to even like on this Antarctica trip, like it's hard, it's start to like kind of realize that I don't need to be, you know, like mm-hmm. who really cares? I'm the only person who cares. Like mm-hmm. people still want me around, mm-hmm. you know, I can have fun while just sitting in the background, listening to people, you know, talking circles, make asses of themselves. Like, I mean, that's what I do anyway. So it's like, yeah, it's just a hard realization sometimes that you have to like give up that part of you. Yeah. You, well, know? you just have to like, instead of thinking about giving it up, you, you just think like, no, I'm going to value other qualities. Right. So like, yeah when I stopped partying and going out so much, like I, I started taking pride in the fact that I'm reliable and I'm honest and <laughs> right. I'm honest. Like, yeah. yeah, those aren't like sexy qualities to have, yeah. but, but they like, are. <laughs> you know that like if someone's in trouble or like someone needs something to get done, they're going to come to you with that. And that like taking that responsibility is like frightening, but it feels so good when you, when you, when you kind of like forge on. And then like after a year, two years, three years, you look back and you're like, fuck, like I've done a ton of cool shit. And it's because I was willing to let go of all that bullshit that was surrounding my personality. And you can still have like your, you know, like you still have pick your moments is what I say. Like have a re what I try to do is have a reason to drink and go out and have fun. Don't do it because there's nothing else to do. 
right? Or make it the piece of why you're going out. Mm -hmm. You know, like say something cool is happening in the city, like say Red Bull Crash Ice. Yeah. You know, don't make it a drinking event. Mm -hmm. Make it that's the event, and there happens to be booze there. Exactly. You know, I don't have that mentality yet, but I know I want to get there, which is also something. Mm -hmm. um, give me one sec. I have to pee. Like, yeah, stop. no problem. We'll pause it. <laughs> talking about just now for you uh, uh to yourself talk, yeah i'm talking about <laughs> well, you're talking about you're not at that point yet where uh um, yeah you can pick your moments right mm -hmm. what's, it, sorry well like what's so what were some of the big takeaways from going to rehab like what what are sort of the main thing and i don't know like i know with aa you're not really supposed to talk about it mm -hmm. um with rehab i don't know if it's the same Kind of. So the program that I went to wasn't 12-step. It wasn't really AA, which yeah. is what I loved about it. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it was all science-based. So like in yeah. the morning you do therapy, the afternoon you pick a one-on-one -on -one therapy, and then you do education, and then go from there. So you took a lot out of it, which uh, the education piece was the one that I really grasped to. Mm -hmm. And um, the biggest takeaway that I have is self-check-in. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I've never really been a writing guy. Like I don't, I've never just, you know, sat down. I have buddies who write a lot and they write during the day and they, you know, say check in all the time. And um, the biggest thing that I'm doing now is checking in with people and myself mm -hmm. a little bit. Like I, um, my, my, why one therapist down there, uh, she, I don't know if she created this thing. Obviously, she probably didn't, but it's called pies. Mm -hmm. So you, in the morning or the afternoon or the evening, you check in with yourself with these things called pies. So it's an acronym, right? It's, mm -hmm. P, physical, um, I is intellectual, E is emotional, and S is spiritual. So you kind of do this pies in your mind, like, hey, you know, physically I'm feeling good, blah, 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 and mm -hmm. then you know, emotionally connected, you know. And you, I've been writing to tell myself, you know, hey, right now you're feeling this way. And then on like, say like a Friday, I'll write the pies of how I would be feeling if I were to go out. Mm -hmm. So I have this like, cute little comparison of like, you know, physically I would have been, you know, dummied. Mm -hmm. on the couch um, intellectually I'd be a dunce like I yeah. wouldn't be able to string a sentence together you know emotionally like crying on the inside spiritually like I don't know like you know lost, lost. yeah right. on, <laughs> yeah so yeah it, you know and it's such a cool little tool so like that's one um the other thing another one that I learned was um well I'm sure like a lot of people feel the same way uh before you even start doing drugs or drinking, you already get high or drunk, mm -hmm. right? Like you're driving home from work, somebody tells you, you know, there's a, a Friday night oil game on, mm -hmm. so you're stoked already, and like you've already drinking your first drink in your mind, you know you're going yeah. to, you know, Hudson's and you're ready to go. It's Pavlov's dogs, right? Yeah. You ring the bell, you start salivating because you know what's about to come. Exactly. All those triggers, those environmental stimulus are there. Yeah, so you're already you already have before you do anything, before you pick up, before you do any of these things. And the one thing that I've learned was another check-in thing. It's um, just to realize that, and then to do this. It's like a, it's a counting thing. You know, mm -hmm. you name three things that you see, three things that you feel, three things that you hear, and you do you can do three, and then you do two, and then you one. It takes you right out of it. And I hate doing it. Like, I'm not preaching these things like I can, like, I'm good at it. Like, I despise it, but I know that I have to do it. And um, it works. Like, this weekend was my first real weekend back. Yeah. And I, um, I, I did all these things and, like, wrote all this stuff. And, like, I text myself and, like, put alarms on. And, like, I overdid it. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of felt like a job now. Mm -hmm. So I realized to myself that I got to do it a different way, you know. Mm -hmm. But... 
Yeah, I mean, like, ultimately, if you continue to do it, it sucks at first. But, like, any new skill, you're yeah. not going to be good at it. Once you start to get good at it and see the benefits of it, mm. you're going to start enjoying it more, right? A hundred percent. You know, like, you're going to realize that, yeah, like, I'm capable of doing this. And, like, the, like just because it's hard, like, doesn't mean I should quit on it. Like, I mean, how easy is it to just pick up and, like, go where we left off, mm -hmm. right? And uh, really, the other thing, the other thing that... Uh, large so that uh, affected me that I learned was just to like put for myself to put a lot of um, responsibility in what I'm doing mm -hmm. um, you and I were talking a little bit earlier about um, you know cutting out like certain friends and certain people in your life that um, uh, that are say like bad influences mm -hmm. but I wanted to put like to put the responsibility on myself to not cut those people out and be an inspiration to those in the situations mm -hmm. You know, so I like the responsibility of like me checking in with them being like, hey, like, listen, you know, like I'm feeling good. So I want you to feel good with me, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm not that great at it yet. Like I'm still, you know, like, hey, let's go for beers instead of, hey, let's go for, you know, a walk. Like, yeah, or walk yoga or, class. yeah, exactly. And I'm getting better at it. Like um, I just need to, you know, refine what I'm doing. And I'm, like you said, I'm fresh. So like mm -hmm. it's all about staying open. Yeah. to it and like actually learning what works cause, for know, sure and like it, fail, it, it all becomes habitual right like yeah. I used to be the guy that like I need a reason not to go out whereas now it's more like I need a reason to go out so whether I got a buddy in town or like whether I don't know there's not that many great reasons to go out right <laughs> yeah. like luckily I enjoy watching a hockey game here in my basement on Brett's nice projection TV <laughs> yeah, more than I like watching it at a bar yeah. because I'm more involved in the game I can watch it without distraction yeah um, so you know there's there's not like a ton of reasons to go out and and for me like I know that if I go out I'm gonna probably feel shitty the next day and to me like having a productive day tomorrow because my job doesn't stop like my do job doesn't stop Saturday or Sunday I'm often taking calls sending emails doing whatever yeah I know that my life is gonna be way easier not hungover and I'm gonna enjoy it more and I'm not gonna despise myself or I'm not gonna you know, um, resent that I have to do these things which like spirals down and, and starts corroding the things that you enjoy. If you, if you resent the things that you usually enjoy because you're hungover, mm -hmm. it's gonna make those things worse off and you're gonna do less of them, you're gonna do a poor job. And then the other thing too is learning like, there's always another party. No always matter, another party. No matter if you miss the best fucking party ever, yeah. there's gonna be one that tops it. Oh, 100%. And that party's never never that party. I mean, that comes to down to, I guess, like, I don't know, the situation that you're in. I was going to ask you, actually, reputation-wise, do you mm -hmm. find that, you know, you have FOMO just because you think you're going to squander your reputation by not being at things? I'm kind of like past that. Like I kind of like look, look, look around the people. Not and not like I've transcended that. <laughs> yeah. I kind of like I look around the people at local because I'm there on the weekends and yeah. like the like the staff. Like I'm part of a local Snapchat group. Yeah. And like without fail, every, almost every night of the week, someone's out doing something, mm -hmm. and like they talk about how much fun they've had and all this, and I'm like not a part of it. And like everyone jokes that like I'm one of the old old guys at the at the bar. Yeah. Um, but like there's no expectation for me to go out. So when I started kind of being more conscious about about you know not going out and about like focusing more on my work, um, and the only reason I was able to do that is because I started doing something that I enjoyed. Like I spent lots of years working in office, and yeah. you can bet your ass I was hungover almost every Monday morning. Oh uh, yeah. Some random Wednesdays or Thursdays, you know, mm -hmm. like not not dissimilar to you. Yeah. Um, but I've I've kind of come to terms with 
that. And for me, like the the reputation of being someone who like puts his work first and like really loves what he does and is like willing to take chances and try and be a filmmaker, like that's kind of crazy. And so I like that more than like being the guy that you can count on to be out every weekend, you know? Because that's so tired and boring and like... You know, I see these people all the time and I talk to them. It's That's like, me. what's what's new? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, ah, oh, nothing, you know, went out to Hudson's last night or yeah. whatever. And it's yeah. like, there's just nothing interesting there for me. And so I'm like, you know, I, I, I know I used to be that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm happy, like, to, for the most part, not be that anymore. It's good. I'm really working on getting there. Yeah. You know, and I know there's a lot of people like me that, you know, have these, like, aspirations to make themselves different or mm-hmm. differentiate themselves like that. But like I right now, like in my mind, mm-hmm. and it's a stupid thought. Like I think I'm going to miss opportunities for things like heel yeg, or like my Rotary Club because I'm not out, mm-hmm. and it's just not true. Mm-hmm. And I just haven't put that in my mind yet. And like even, especially like say, I mean, I have a plan that you know I really don't want to get drunk anymore. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I 100% don't want to do drugs anymore. But like I. You know, I go, I went out last weekend and I had probably like, you know, two or three drinks too many. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now I'm self-realizing, like I realize it, which is a bad thing. But like after those two drinks, I'm like, okay, well, I want to go here. Mm-hmm. And like, I want, I know that this person's here and I want to do a project with them mm-hmm. for, you know, um, Heliag or whatever. And if I'm not there, maybe I miss out an opportunity. But like, man, like we've already established ourselves as, you know, people in the city. And like, I mean, I've have to realize that you know i can just text this person yeah <laughs> you know, like, for coffee <laughs> yeah, where like, you can a hear them b remember what they're exactly. saying and c be your best version of yourself exactly. right you're not, you're not making a sale when you're like high or like drunk like yeah. you know maybe you make a little bit more of a connection but maybe you have some not. crazy idea that's the best idea in the world but without fail the next day you're like that's a stupid idea yeah, the dumbest <laughs> thing i've ever heard right like uh, i mean there's there's a bit of value to like ha- spending extra time with these people mm-hmm. but you know it's a hard realization for me personally that I, I don't you don't I don't need it anymore. Yeah. You know, I was always like we were talking a little bit about stages in our lives mm-hmm. before and I was always chasing and I still kind of am chasing this person that is like well renowned, well liked and well like really like really well developed in mm-hmm. the Edmonton core. And not saying that I am, mm-hmm. but truly like I met enough people. Like I don't need to yeah. be meeting more or like, you know Yeah, you've maxed out your mind's ability to like remember deep and intimate details <laughs> yeah. with that number of people. It's a Dunbar number, right? Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. 150 people. Anything past that, at 150 people, you can mm-hmm. you can know details about all those people, plus know all the interactions and relationships between all those 150 people. Yeah. But past that, your brain isn't able to to recognize these things and mm-hmm. it just becomes anonymous. And yeah, exactly. And like the people you are going out with aren't those type of people that you need to fit in that 150. Yeah. Like if you know if you can alter the, the, that number of people to like you know a progressive bunch, like that's the goal that mm-hmm. I need to start having. Yeah. Rather than you know I'm meeting some waitress who just moved here and you know I'm talking to like I don't you know I don't, yeah. need, I don't need to. Well, meet she probably anymore. needs a friend. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I could be that friend. I could be that boy. Yeah. Exactly. So I've also noticed too, like I would trade a hundred interactions at a bar with someone's for one like sit down hour coffee because like the level of meaning meaning uh in that conversation is so much deeper right like Mm -hmm. that's one of the first things i started doing when i like kind of hit hit this kind of like not rock bottom that sounds extreme but this point in which like i need to turn my life around so i'm like all right i'm not going to drink for it was a year 
Good but then I ended up going to Europe with a girlfriend. I'm like, well, I'm not going to not drink wine in Italy with yeah, a girlfriend. Yeah, so it ended at 10 months. So I don't That's feel, pretty good. I don't feel bad about that because what I learned in that time was, was astounding. Um, but when I did that, I started just like looking out there for people that I like admired, whether I wanted to potentially, because I was looking for a new career, whether mm. I potentially wanted to be in that career or not. It was just like, let's just go for lunch or coffee. Let me pick your brain. Let me see like what excites you. Let me like try and dissect what makes you successful and and it got to the point where I'm having these really energizing meaningful conversations which was I didn't know at the time but the genesis for what made me interested in doing a podcast in yeah. the first place um, but what I realized is that like you just I almost like have I almost have like this weird like fraudulent feeling when I'm out at a social gathering because you're not able to connect with people at the level you are one on one and it's like that superficial, just bullshit conversation, which is great sometimes. Sure. But like, I'm like, I don't know. I like ask weird, deep, intimate questions and they're like uncomfortable because there's people around, right? Whereas mm-hmm. if you ask that question at a lunch, they're like, yeah, well, I'll tell you all about that, you know? Yeah. So it's almost like, like those social, big social situations almost make me feel a little uncomfortable because I'm like, it feels like there's a wall between me and every other person. And yeah. that's because there's a hundred other people here. Mm-hmm. And I also notice, like when I'm somewhere with a purpose. So like if it's at a film premiere or if it's at like a speaking event or something like yeah. that, I feel a lot more confident being in those situations because I have a reason to be there. It's the same way with like if we're interviewing a big person for our docs, like going to interview Dana White, for example. If I just like met Dana White in a room, I wouldn't know what the fuck to say to him. Yeah. But I meet Dana White when we're about to interview him for Bisbing's doc and I have context and a purpose for being there. Everything's just easier. So I've learned like try and like have purposeful living, right? Like mm-hmm. do things for a reason. Like if you're going out to an event, it's because you're there to celebrate someone's birthday or success. And then that's your reason. And then you feel better for being there. But if you're just like wandering into a bar to go drink, it's like you're, you're directionless. You're just stuck in the doldrums. Yeah, that's a great perspective to look at. I have, see, I have a lot of trouble with something like that too, because like I, you know, me and like a lot of other people who have gone through this too. Like, you're right about the one-on-one conversations. You don't have them at a bar. You don't have them when you're at these uh, events, but you do have them when you're at home around a table mm-hmm. and, and there's drugs flowing around. Yeah, and I think you know a lot of people are addicted to. You know, they find purpose and meaning in these conversations and then all of a sudden, you know, the drugs open them up to being, you know, at the time they think a more intelligent version of themselves, Mm -hmm. but obviously they're not. But like they have these like one on one conversations for hours and hours Mm -hmm. and hours on end and you take something out of they're getting something from it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, are they really? Yeah. But the thing is like because because drugs, certain drugs will certain drugs will remove your ego. So like psychedelics totally yeah. like remove your ego and make you feel more one with everything. Whereas yeah. like a drug like cocaine will, will almost reinforce your ego, but so much so that you don't care what other people think. Your so you're going, yeah. you're going the complete opposite of it. So like, I think, you know, from what I've heard from people who have like massively struggled and have now like found a better way of living is like, try and like find that balance while being sober of like, you can take away your ego and be comfortable enough to be vulnerable and honest. And like, if I want to sit down with someone and have like an honest conversation, 
the best way, the best strategy is to tell them something vulnerable about myself right off the bat, right? Yeah. If I sit down with someone I think has a problem, I don't go, so tell me about your problem. Yeah, so what's your issue? It's bro? like, I yeah. sit down and then I'm going to be like, let me tell you about all my problems. And if there's something in there that resonates with you, feel free to, to jump on that. Mm. Um, but here's kind of what sucks about my life, you know? Yeah. And then it has that double-edged sort of like dropping their guard, but also <laughs> making them realize like, like everyone struggles, everyone struggles with shit and everyone thinks that the shit that they're struggling with is probably the hardest thing that anyone struggles with. Right. It's yeah. They think they're unique, which I mean, unfortunately you're not <laughs> like not even close. And that's something I've really come into realization with, like say going to this clinic last month, like I thought I was like the worst off, you know, like I was, <laughs> it's, it's funny, you know, in my mind, like, you know, I was like, I was like staying up for days at a time, spending mm-hmm. exuberant amount of money, uh, you know, lying to people, mm-hmm. faking stuff, like, you know, pulling the wool over everybody's eyes because I thought I was the sneakiest, the mm-hmm. slyest guy on the block, you know, which is not the truth. But I go there and, like, you know, you see, like, this this place they have professional athletes, they have professional musicians, they have guys who are high up in business. It was mm-hmm. all guys, by the way. Um, and, like, they're doing math. Like, mm-hmm. they're doing heroin. And yeah. they're doing, their mental health is, like, it's awful you know they it's abysmal like they they have nothing they somehow gotten to this level and then they're like ruining it with all these other things and then you know you like you said you talk to these people and they just their presence and their stories just take your guard down and you can all of a sudden connect and realize you know like that's me in 10 Mm -hmm. years and all of a sudden you're like oh shit like i'm now doing something about it which is you know a great pat on the stats but Mm -hmm. getting there was you know a hard thing so yeah yeah, I yeah, I mean, a lot of people. I think a lot of people have just a hard time opening up. Like you, and I, you and I are such social guys. Like we'll just talk to you know a dog for an hour and a half. Like you know, like you know, mostly like, pets. But yeah, I'll, yeah, talk, I'll whisper in their ear. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mostly, yeah. But you know, it's just it, it's just funny. Like for the people who are looking for these things, it's just hard to find those those meaningful conversations outside of yeah, you know, these parties or mm-hmm. drugs and stuff like that. They just don't have a connection with people or have the the real ability to do it. Yeah. What yeah. you just said like illustrates a really important point and some I wanted to touch on is that there's a difference in like people who have never experienced drugs view using drugs as this one thing and that's drugs and that's yeah. bad and you shouldn't do it. But really like there's probably more but the two that I kind of break it down is to like um, there's sort of like the party scene, the social like you're out on the weekends and someone offers you drugs or whatever. Mm. But then there's the real like like devastating addiction like the debilitative like your life is kind of coming to an end and you're and Mm -hmm. and you might literally die um and those are two pretty separate things and one can lead into the other for sure yeah but um yeah it's you know i think a lot of people who are stuck in the party phase think that about themselves they go like oh you know like it's not a problem it's it's just casual like oh i'm not doing heroin i'm not doing meth so life's so life's good you know it's it's a quick it's a quick transition Mm -hmm. it's a quick transition like just to tell a quick story about like you know how fast these things can happen so i was at a party and you know there's a a plate of drugs going around Mm -hmm. and you know everybody's doing this that the other thing and then the drug dealer is there and like these people aren't reliable whatsoever right this guy pours out um pours out a line of stuff Mm -hmm. and he goes to this one girl he goes hey like take this Mm -hmm. you know um whatever so she thinks it's cocaine right she does it and it's not it's speed that's infused with something else 
and Jeez. this guy's laughing like he's like ha 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 like that was not what you thought it was and she's, wow. just, she's like she's like oh my god like blah 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 and you know like she, she weird enough she wasn't mad yeah. she didn't say too much her friends obviously were freaking out yeah no shit I talked to this girl later in life and she's like now addicted to like much heavier things holy fuck that's how quick it was from like, that one line from that one line before this the girl had never done um, anything more than like cocaine she smoked a little weed or something she yeah. said obviously she drank but she did this one line because it was one decision at this one party and I can remember it and I was there and like I was like that's how quickly it happens so you know you do think you're almost uh, invulnerable from being in the party scene and having a great job and doing things on the side but like mm -hmm. it's a quick transition you never know what's in there like yeah. I've been to parties where people are asking for fentanyl yeah. and drugs and it's crazy really people ask for that you see yeah so um, I thought that was like just what they laced other drugs with people are doing straight fentanyl people are okay yeah so the quick story too like I was at this event and um this guy like I was there with this drug dealer and he's like okay like what do you want we're getting stuff and he goes do you want any Fenty in it and I'm like I'm like are you no like, are you out of your like, fucking yeah, mind like, are you trying to kill me like, you know like, people you, die from it right? is that a death threat you know yeah. but like up until this point I like in my mind I'm like why would drug dealers put it in drugs if it's killing people yeah you know it may, well, but it makes it more addictive it makes it more you know whatever and mm -hmm. more um, stronger I guess and uh People are asking for just the smallest grain of whatever right. in it, you know, and then they put it in their drugs and then it enhances everything. But think about it, you know, these guys who are cutting stuff up aren't the most reliable people on the planet. Yeah, you're not you talking know, like, fucking chemists. Chem yeah, yeah, they're not scientists. Like these guys are just you know, doing whatever and they're putting in little bags and they're like handing it around the city. Like how easy is it for something to fall into something else yeah or you know oh shoot like you're the guy who didn't want it mm -hmm. you know and it's the drug scene is just so crazy and I, it's not like i know everything about it mm -hmm. i've just been involved in like a lot of a lot of situations and there's this mentality around it that like people um it's there it's not gonna happen to me mm -hmm. you know it's you know it's never happened to any of my friends it's not gonna happen to me yeah. you know like i have an naloxone kit it'll be fine you know and it's it's, it's a serious it's a serious serious thing because like mm -hmm. a what if something were to happen like you like people don't think that they're going to affect anything other than themselves they're like oh like you know i'll be i'll be on my couch for a couple of days but yeah. it's like they're if something happens like it's their family it's a friend mm -hmm. it's their job it's everything mm -hmm. you know and uh in the moment all you care about is that next thing and like it's just something that is such a crazy thought to think about like being outside of that party like right now i'm sober so i can like have a good perspective on it yeah. but you know so many times i've had these thoughts but then you know the next moment you know i'm knee deep in <laughs> a pile right? yeah it's and it's there's so many factors into it right and like you know a lot of the times it starts with booze right like booze oh, yeah. like Booze is what makes anyone say, yeah, for fuck it, why not? To, mm -hmm. a, lot, to a lot of things, right? Whether yeah. it's random encounter of sex or drugs or, you know, something stupid and dangerous. It's mm -hmm. it's just like, that's usually where it starts. So like, yeah, I mean, and, and then of course, like in the long time, uh, in a long time scope, it's like lying to people, right? Yeah. And like what lying does is it like, it warps the reality so that you think you're getting away with things, but you just keep digging yourself deeper and deeper. Mm -hmm. And like, there's a really interesting book on lying. It's called Lying by Sam Harris. Okay. And he talks about like the neurological, like psychological implications of lying. Mm -hmm. And it, um, 
like firstly like when you don't lie or when you lie you have to not only remember who you lied to what you, did you tell them and then you have to think of what who do they know that I know that I might have to verify <laughs> that right. lie yeah. so what like what it does the more you lie the more mental bandwidth it takes up and the more stress it causes because you have to think of all these things your brain is constantly going whereas mm-hmm. if you just don't lie then there's never any thinking because you're just telling the truth. If someone asks you what happened, you don't have to think, oh, how do I frame this? Or what did I tell someone? It's You just go by your memory. Yeah. And so it's a much more stress-free way of living. But also too, like if you're, if you're not gonna lie to people, you have to hold yourself more accountable because if you made the deal to not lie, mm-hmm. then you have to own your actions. And so like I, you know, I try to do it as much as I can. Like I, you know, sometimes I catch myself and I was bad when I was younger because I was just like, oh, I can just say whatever I want and, and I'll get <laughs> away with it. Lying, yeah. But now it's like as simple as, oh, like, am I going to be late for something? Like, do I, am I going to spend an extra 10 minutes at the gym before I got to meet this person for coffee? Well, I can just say there was traffic or whatever. Yeah. But if I'm like, shit, I'm not going to lie. Then I'm also like, well, I don't want to tell them, sorry, I'm late. I spent an extra 10 minutes working out, which yeah. implies that my time is more valuable than yours. <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, well, fuck it. I guess I won't do this extra 10 minutes in the gym, right? Yeah. So it keeps you more accountable to other people and yourself by not lying. And I think that's such a fundamental thing. Like, and man, lying is just the worst. It's, it's it's a addictive yeah right you know i have so i know so many people who are like caught up in these like grand schemes Mm -hmm. and like they have all like you said like all these like um walls put up and like redirections that they already have lined up and they're thinking about like who knows what about Mm -hmm. this person who's done this and it's so complicated and they're on all the time like that's mentally fatigued like so like taxing right and um you just you just create like the worst atmosphere around yourself and like the accountability of it like you said on a personal level after you know i told my family these things and i told them that i wasn't going to lie to them anymore and i realized Mm -hmm. that you know i i can tell them the truth Mm -hmm. and that goes with a lot of other things like doesn't matter what you're dealing with like if you tell somebody the truth now you can deal with them Mm -hmm. and if your relationship's strong enough you're going to progress right and so now you know you're accountable all the time for it whether it be drugs or drinking mm-hmm. or um what have you just like poor lifestyles so can't remember where i was going with this now <laughs> um well it's it's so fun. have a point yeah well it'll come back to you i'm <laughs> yeah. sure like what's really fucked up too is have you ever heard a friend lie to someone else and you know it's oh, a lie it's and you're like they didn't lie to me but now because i know they lie to other people like I'm I'm skeptical, right? Yeah. You're like I don't I don't know if I can trust you now. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't know if it's going to be a big lie or a little lie, but like because I've seen that you are dishonest with other people, now I don't know where we stand, right? Yeah. A lot of people don't think like like I mean you know in a good state of mind you think like that, but a lot of people just don't. Like I've been to so many, say like an after party where people are like making up 20 lies so they can continue partying. Yeah. Right. And then all of a sudden, like you know like you said like these people aren't reliable obviously because they're lying to all these other people mm-hmm. and then now you're in the room with this person and then you're telling these like great stories and stuff and what you think sorry excuse me what do you think are great stories but like they're probably a lie yeah they're just <laughs> fantasies <laughs> made up in this drug induced excitement right they, like yeah you're willing to fudge the details and oh make yourself sound a little cooler yeah and, like just waiting for your second to talk yeah. you know yes it's it's hard though because like you know embellishing a story here and there makes it you know a little bit more exciting makes you um a better storyteller but at the same time like if you hold yourself to that honesty um 
you know, being honest, then it forces you to just like live a more interesting life. If you're like, I'm not going to lie and make my story sound better. It's like, I guess I just got to make better stories. Yeah, yeah, I got to do it, right? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, I mean, most people aren't really that funny, (laughs) if I'm being honest. And like, I'm terribly unfunny. I'm reading a book on comedy right now. Are you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, not that I want to be a comedian, but I'm just like, it'd be nice to understand the fun. And like, my brain is so technical that I'm like, it'd be nice to understand the fundamentals of like a joke, a premise, a punchline, like understand delivery and dissonance and all that That's stuff. That's the least funny thing you can do. I know. Do. It's so stupid. Make a, making a joke a math problem yeah. is like the least. That's comedic. how my brain works. I'm very procedural. I'm very like that's, technical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. But yeah, I mean... I guess like the I'm, like the the stories you tell define you afterwards too, mm-hmm. right? Like if you tell all these things, you have to be that person all of a sudden. Yeah. If you've lied and said, you know, like I've gone through all these adventures and I've, you know, um, said all these things to this person and like say like you know you're talking like a lot of these things are just talking shit about people. That's how people bond, you mm-hmm. know. All of a sudden, you have to be a jerk, yeah. you know, because yeah. you've told these people that you yeah, like psychological congruence, right? Yeah, you're you're more willing to you're more likely to act in a way in which you've demonstrated clear behavior in that way in the past. Mm-hmm. It's hard for people to change. That's why it's so hard for people to get clean or like change their life, right? Yeah. And it doesn't happen overnight. Like it takes like constant conscientious effort and also a goal in mind that's like more important than whatever it is that's been drawing you to that other lifestyle in the past. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's like trying to find your like purpose and what you're doing with like each interaction you're having, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's also getting your mental health state in like uh, like aligned. I guess. I mean, like we also were talking earlier about these like programs that like can help you, but like nobody really knows how to like get them or like access to them or like what to Just, say. It them. feels like a big step too, right? Like yeah. to go from like casual drug user on the weekend to like. I'm going to get professional help. Mm-hmm. Like that's a big fucking step. It shouldn't be, but it is, right? Yeah. And it's because people look at getting help, whether it's a therapist or a psychologist or a life coach, they look at that as they're like broken and they need to get back to normal. But the better way to look at it is like it can make you better than you were before, no matter where you're starting. Yeah. You could be like have you could be totally sober for ten years and never had struggled with anything. Going to a, a one of those people is still gonna probably make you a stronger, better person. Oh yeah, I mean, some of my most successful friends have like life coaches, yeah, and and uh, you know these people in their lives that make them better mentors or whatever. And it's like you said, you feel like you you get these help already, and you're a failure in your own mind. Mm-hmm. That's the way I think about it. Like, you know, I've asked for help, but now you know I can't figure it out on my own. But like, we don't have the ability to like deal with these problems on our own a lot of them like mm-hmm. you know we we go to like the, like still the fact of having like a therapist is still kind of a stigma mm-hmm. right now it's kind of like our generation's kind of making it cool mm-hmm. you know which is itself an issue on its own <laughs> like you know but it's cool to have a therapist yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know like but like i have a lot of friends who like you know we talk about our therapists mm-hmm. and we talk about you know these people in our lives but like some of them I know that some of my friends who are in these conversations are going to therapists just because they want to be in that conversation. So whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, you know, uh, they're probably not talking to their therapist about the right things. They're probably just going for like these other issues. I mean, whether they are there, I don't know, but yeah, it's an interesting question. Like going through, going through like, 
doing something good but with the wrong motive like, yeah is that a good thing like the example i use is like people who will like climb a mountain just to get that instagram photo from the top it's like i'm so torn on that like in the one case obviously it's a bad motive like you shouldn't do it for the glory of like posting and bragging mm-hmm. but at the same time it's getting you out for six to ten hours in nature doing something positive like you know that that's not a bad thing and it like, affects it affects other people mm-hmm. so like just them going on the mountain is going to inspire somebody else who yeah. might be doing it for the right motives yeah so uh i was talking to somebody about this program that i was going through and uh they said it's uh like it's not a hundred percent effective it's four hundred percent because like me coming out of this thing mm. i'm gonna affect you know a like couple that. other people it's a cool little phrase you know yeah. and like and it already has, right? Which is cool. Not to pad my stats. I mean, I haven't really done all that much work yet. But you don't have a scoreboard. At yeah, all, yeah, yeah. Oh, I do. Yeah, it's on my arm. <laughs> but you know, like it's these it's these little things that may start out as like a bad, but like have great effects on so many other things and people. So yeah. it's hard to look at them like, even if they have bad motives, like you might they might be affecting somebody else, even themselves, in like a positive way that you don't really think about. So yeah. Weird. It's almost like a butterfly effect, right? Yeah, I mean, like, back to what we said earlier, like, no one gives a shit, but, like, people still give a shit, right? Like, people find what they need to find, so, like, you know, 99% of people out there who see your stuff might not need to to find you. Don't choke. (laughs) I don't don't know CPR. Don't don't you go dying on me. (laughs) Dang, yeah. Um, Mm. But... But, you know, there might be out of that a thousand people, there might be one person that needs to see that and resonates with what you're doing, right? It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny just how negative social media is sometimes. Oh my gosh, what's happening? Cough it up, man. It's all good. But, uh, (coughs) but how positive it is. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I was seeing on like Reddit, all like these little posts about like, um, I don't know who needs to see this right now, right? you know, don't do that one thing. That's so annoying Mm -hmm. and it's the worst, but somebody needs to see that right now, you know, and it's a cool thing, but like, um, I guess it's just about like having these conversations. Mm-hmm. You're right. <laughs> yeah. What is happening? What did you put in this water? Uh, uh, that is that is pure, hundred percent filtered, uncontaminated H two O, my friend. It's delicious. I don't. It's maybe it's because I haven't been, you know, on the most sober train for a while. Like, what oh, is water? What, what is, is this clear liquid? <laughs> clear, <laughs> tasteless liquid. So, so in that vein, where, where are you at? So you said you went out a couple a uh, week ago and had a couple beers that yeah. went okay for you? No. Um, yeah, not really. So coming out of this program and like all these programs, they, they tell you to commit to a hundred percent sobriety, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, I think that's great. And I think that, you know, if you can do that and your lifestyle adheres for it, cool, mm-hmm. do it. And I'm not making an excuse for it myself, which, you know, really I am. But my plan was to come out of there, start like no drugs, mm-hmm. and I'm cool with that. Yeah, and I'm fine with that, and I want to stick to that, and I think it's a good plan. On the alcohol level, you know, we did mention as well that you know it is you know a gateway to some poor decision making. Mm-hmm. I just really want to fit in with the people who can go out for a glass of wine with dinner. Mm-hmm. I want to fit in with the people who can you know have a couple beers at a game and then go home, and I want to be able to test myself which is not also a good thing that they teach. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not preaching this, but I want to test myself to be able to find my limits Mm -hmm. and to keep myself in check. And like these little checks that I do, these are like part of the process of it. Going to Antarctica, 
in having access to booze, not necessarily that much drugs, but there was drugs that I could have done down there. Yeah. Um, but I didn't. But, you know, I wanted, I need to have like, you know, these little tiny experiments that I'm successful with. Mm-hmm. This weekend, Saturday, you know, I went out, I had a couple too many drinks. And now it's finally in my mind that that's not okay. Mm-hmm. I've done the work. I've got people relying on me. I've got people looking towards me now as like an inspiration to make themselves better in just a little, like whether it be a big way, you know, whether somebody needs to go to rehab or somebody needs to have this conversation with your parents, your best friend. But like, I want to be that guy who now is, you know, somebody that they looked for, like towards to, you know, be able to connect with. Like you said, like, I don't go like, you want to be the guy who's reliable. I finally I'm trying to be that guy mm-hmm. and whether I fail this weekend you know that's distracting me from you know the um, it's just it's like it's um, deterring me from the road that's going to lead me there and mm-hmm. I'm starting to realize these things so uh, it's all about these you know balances and checks and I I'm starting to learn what's working for me and mm-hmm. what's not and how to you know if I can't all of a sudden you know like if I find out that hey listen bud you can't drink anymore. Mm-hmm. I need to know that. Yeah, you got to be hyper aware because, like, yeah. I've I've thought those exact same things too, right? Like, I'm like, I I don't want to be the guy that can't have a glass of wine at dinner, can't have a couple beers watching the game. Yeah, and I'm slowly like like you, I like kind of tested myself, and like after ten months, you sort of like you experiment and like okay, like I had a few drinks that night and it was fine, and then like you know a couple weeks later, do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, the reality is, some people can't. Like some, some people just cannot do that. Like, thankfully, I don't think I'm one of those people. Like mm-hmm. I've had countless nights where I just have a couple drinks and that's, that's all good. Right. Yeah. But w- what always helps me in those situations is knowing like I got shit to do tomorrow or like, I know if I'm going to stay here any longer, nothing good is going to come of it Yeah. or, or whatever. Like it's that hyper awareness and like, cause booze, like booze shortens your timeline. And oh like, yeah. I like, I find that I'm almost like. I'm, I think so far in the future sometimes like I'm always like planning like what's next I kind of like it's it's not good like Hard to enjoy the moment yeah like I, I'm really having a hard time like enjoying the moment because I'm even traveling I'm like okay but where are we having lunch and then like where where, where are we staying <laughs> tonight have we, like that, have we found our have we found our hostel and then like what time's the bus tomorrow mm-hmm. so like one time I saw a psychologist and and we we're talking and the person like after 30 minutes so like you don't really seem to like have any issues. Like you seem to have your shit together pretty yeah. well. He's like, if I had to guess, I'd say like the reason you like drinking is because it shortens your event horizon. It allows you to just kind of like chill out and not think about what's going on. That's... And I'm like, that makes so much goddamn sense because like that is exactly what happens. I'm not thinking about I'm not thinking about tomorrow morning. I'm not thinking about Monday. It's just like, it's just in the moment. It's put your mind at ease, yeah. you know, and that's, that's crazy. Like mm-hmm. it's incredible how like these psychologists, psychiatrists can just like, they're so well-trained and yeah. like it speaks to, you know, not being able to deal with these things ourselves. Like we can't, mm-hmm. we don't know enough to deal with these, like our mental health issues on our own. Like, and that's why we should seek professional help. I'm not saying everybody can, like it's quite expensive, but like, it's crazy how just now you know about it. Mm-hmm. You know, now you're aware that, okay, like I am drinking to like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, mellow myself out a little bit. And all of a sudden you're hyper aware and like it does help these little checks, but you would have never known mm-hmm. 
I would have never thought about that on my own, right? Yeah, like I got I got analyzed like the second I got to rehab, kind mm-hmm. of the same situation. I'm telling him about myself. Mm-hmm. I'm like, he's a white here, blah, blah, blah. And um, I'm like, yeah, you know, I do stuff for like my charities, my nonprofits on a couple of boards. I work, you know, nine to five like everybody else. I'm super social. And then I do drugs mm-hmm. at, in the evening. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then, you know, that's part of it. And he yeah. goes, well, you don't have any dopamine left. And I'm like, no, bud, listen, yeah. I'm the happiest guy in town. Like, I don't have that. Like, I get depressed here and there after I do drugs. I get anxiety. But he says, no, 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 no. You don't have any dopamine because you're not taking pleasure in anything you're doing outside of drugs. Right. So I was at, like, this high level all of the time. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I'm at home. You know, and then to get back up there, like, what else can I do? Mm-hmm. Instantly, my body's looking for that, mm-hmm. that high. So, like, I'm like, okay. And he's like, so now you got to really think about that at home. Like, you're not looking for drugs. You're looking for that dopamine release. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And he's like, work on that for the next month. And I'm like, that's a big project, pal. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, it's, everyone finds it in different ways, right? Like, I'd say probably for me, the biggest one, like, daily is just going to the gym. Like, that's really, like, my therapy. Like, that's, like... You know, throw in a podcast or music and you yeah. just kind of tune out. I'm usually not thinking about work unless I'm getting blown up by the work emails. But like, that's my anchor. That's like my daily. If I don't do that, I don't feel normal. And like, that's definitely a, a hormone, a testosterone, a dopamine release form for me. Right. Some people it's yoga. Some people it's running. Some people it's, it's, uh, I don't know, meditating. Volunteerism. Like, like yeah. yeah. Just finding like a little bit of a purpose that, you know, raises those levels mm-hmm. and, like you said, like it does sound kind of like lame and like preachy and like I didn't always think of it this way. Like I didn't, I don't like going to the gym, mm-hmm. you know, I don't like doing a lot of these things, but like it changes your whole perspective once you find that one thing you do like doing. Like yeah. I really figured out, you know, I do like running mm-hmm. and I do like a little bit of the gym, but like my whole like instead of partying Friday right after work, going to the gym for two hours, like mm-hmm. I'm calm afterwards. Yeah. You know, I want to eat. And then whether I go out for a beer or two, you know, like, A, it's, you know, four hours later, so I'm yeah. not 10 beers deeper, you know? Yeah. So, it, yeah, it changes your whole, per, like, it, your, your entire life to, lifestyle, right? So. Here's what I noticed, because, like, obviously, like, well, not obviously, but in those 10 months I didn't drink, I still went out. Like, I still went out with friends. Good on you. Holy I had, Christ. like, wow. I had, like, the first couple months, people were giving me a rough time. Like, yeah. oh, come on, really? Like, fuck off. The longer I got into it, the more people, it went from, like, fuck off, you're going to drink, mm-hmm. to, like, how are you doing this? They, yeah. They're, they're, like, that's a superpower. They're impressed. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I found, too, like, there's a point in time in the night where it's, like, not even fun to be out anymore. Because, like, if you're at the pint at 1 a.m. on a weekend... Like as a sober person there, I look around and I'm trying to talk to people, but they're just like, huh, what? And literally like you look around, people are not even really talking. They're just vibrating and like bouncing into each other <laughs> and, and ha- seemingly having a great time. So I realized I'm like, oh, like that's me when I drink. Like we're not even doing anything. All these like great times I think I'm having, it's actually just totally false and it's just this mirage. And then yeah. what I also noticed too is there's not been a single night where I've not drank drinking and then the next day i regret not drinking like there's in the moment i'm always like fuck it'd be nice to drink when i'm out you know a couple whatever but the next morning i've never had a morning where i regret not drinking this is crazy it's like somebody else said this to me recently they said almost the exact same thing and like you you until you get over like your fear of missing out and your fear of you know not being at that party but like it just all adds into exactly what you're saying. That party's not that great. Yeah. 
you're maybe you're going home the next day you're laughing and you're laughing with your buddies and you know somebody slipped on the ice and mm-hmm. you know yard sailed and you know it was a funny time like who really cares like yeah. do you need that gut laugh that bad yeah you what does that what does that add to your life in the long run right? nothing yeah. and you're waking up and now you're going for coffee and now you're doing all these things and you know you finally you know be able to progress and like also the money yeah. Oh, oh yeah. My God, the oh, money. Yeah. I wish I would have added up how much I saved in that time. <laughs> oh, this is disgusting. Can that number? Oh, you yeah. know, that I I think about that uh, constantly now. Mm-hmm. Um, and not saying that I regret drinking every time. Like I you know, some of the best times I've had is mm-hmm. with the boys and you know, my buddies drinking and mm-hmm. being on vacation and stuff, but like the money you spend on the extra shot, the money you spend on the extra line, the money you spend on the extra whatever you need at the time. Mm-hmm it's paramount like it's huge yeah. not only like on yourself but because you're drunk and you think you're a rock star 20 shots for my friends oh, here we'll take it all <laughs> like and you're 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 actually diminishing the night all of a sudden because yeah. you're getting like i mean it's, you know it's probably 2 a.m you're getting last call you're buying 20 shots and like mm-hmm. all of a sudden a you're out money b now everybody's too like handcuffed to talk to each other yeah. you know like yeah. you know and it's just it's all bad it's all it's all bad, it's all That's bad. What and there's i mean there's tons of good like right. i mean it's not like either of us are you know the epitome of like how it should no be. no we all got yeah. ton, tons of work to do right? yeah but it's just about you know really just self-realization and self-check yeah. Yeah. Just check in with yourself, you know. So what's your what's your kind of goals and mission in the next like six months to a year? Like what are you what are you looking to to achieve? Uh I mean I wanna get okay, so over the last year I've a lost trust with a lot of people who are mm-hmm. the closest to me. Mm-hmm. My family, you know, I I mean I lied and shattered my relationship with my parents and my sister. Mm-hmm. And that's it's I I I can't even think about it. Like it it's hurts so it's devastating, yeah. man. It's crazy. So Building those relationships back up, you know, like even with um, my nonprofits and my other charities that I work with, I've become unreliable. Mm-hmm. So I want to build that again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to, the overall goal of it is to become somebody who's come not out like a phoenix, but like, you know, kind of rising out of the ashes Absolutely. a little bit. Yeah. You know, um, this year is my year for Heal Yeg. And like, I want to be somebody who's been in there and people can relate to me. Cause mm-hmm. like, I think I'm a pretty, a pretty relatable guy. So I can, you know, try to be that person that, you know, hey, I was, you know, one of like the younger, uh, you know, higher professionals in the city mm-hmm. at my age, you know, when I was doing all these things, I still had problems. Yeah. I made the right decisions and now I'm this other person. So I want to have a story of success so other people can take whatever they can from it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be the overall goal of it, but like just those little things like because I mean, I've been through it all. I've been in drug dens. I've mm-hmm. been, you know, driving in high and cops have pulled me over. Mm-hmm. I've been so low, but it's just, it, it takes a conversation to change it. Yeah. Talk to anybody. And then, you know, it's amazing what can come on from it. So yeah. really for the year, I just want to be that person who people are now looking towards. Like, Ev, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not drinking for the month because of you. And mm-hmm. it's not because of me, maybe because of this conversation we're having or you know the conversations that I have with them later but like it's just these little steps that we need to be taking as like a team and a collective in our city to mm-hmm. make it better yeah so, so accountability for sure and like yeah. it seems I you know I've been there too at the start of like a seemingly like 12 month stint of not drinking and I'm like this seems insurmountable yeah. but like you have to look at it as an opportunity right like the best championship stories like the best stories are always the ones where people came from as low as they could be to mm-hmm. achieve as high as they can be right like 
no one looks at some like fucking Wall Street broker who like grew up in a rich family who went to a private you know Harvard or Stanford or someone yeah and then ended up being this multi-billionaire no one looks at that as a great story yeah it's, yeah. it's kind of interesting but like a Danny Trejo for example like yeah someone who literally was doing heroin at 12 who went to jail for 10 years for armed robbery who got clean got sober and ended up being one of the most celebrated and and, and hardest working actors in Hollywood who's been sober over 40 years, there's a fucking story, that's a tale, right? Like that's right? a tale. So anyone who's feeling down because they're in a shitty place in life or, or they're, you know, they're feeling guilty or resentful towards themselves for those bad op- or those bad um, actions and behaviors, mm. got to look at that as the best opportunity you have to make such a drastic change and difference. It's just, yeah, it's your next decision. Mm-hmm. It's the next, it's always the next decision that should be the right one. And you think about whether, again, like you... The next drink, mm-hmm. make the decision not to have that next drink. The next bag that you buy, the next um, you know event that you don't go to, the next next lie that you have, mm-hmm. make that next decision the one that is actually your comeback story, right? Because like I mean, it's impossible to think about, but everybody should be striving for a person like a version of themselves that's better. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, then you really need to have a conversation. Yeah, yeah. The the best little tactic strategy I ever heard on that was from Terry Crews who's talking about you know like how to be a better person or how to be more x y or z whether it's be more honest or be more loving or empathetic or or whatever it is start instead of like just trying to force yourself into that ask yourself like almost objectively from a third person like how would a loving person act in this situation and think about that and then just act that way Mm -hmm. how would a caring or thoughtful or an empathetic person act how an honest person act in this situation it takes you a little bit outside yourself and gives more clarity right because we get so wrapped up in our own thoughts and and little biases and little like you know lies we tell ourselves in our head but if you pull back and, and 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 ask objectively what that what that action is it's much easier to put that into place the great little Terry Crews is the man. Yeah, like, man, he's, he's awesome, he's and he's best. had his struggles too, like we all do. Of course, do, but yeah. So. Cool, man. Well, Ev, I appreciate this. This has been awesome. Yeah, it's been fun, this has been an hour longer <laughs> than they normally are, which is great. Is, I is love it, been, it. How long has it been? An hour fifty minutes. Oh my god! I know it flies right by oh. in the studio here. Yeah. Yeah, um, crazy. I'll link everyone in the show notes to your charities, your Rotary Club, anything you want to send me to put on the link. Sure. Um, anywhere else you want to send people, or one last kind of message for for uh, the listeners. Not nowhere I need to send anybody specifically, but like if you are dealing with any sort of mental health, if you're dealing with anything, two and one and eight one one are the best links you can do. Like you just phone these numbers, go online, and they have all the um, programs and initiatives that you can imagine. And do the work. Just yeah. Get to it. Yeah. And the conversations are amazing too, right? Like even at the start of this, you're like, all right, I'm going to get into it. Mm-hmm. And now here we are an hour later where yeah. we're just like fucking bullshitting and like talking about this, like there's no stigma, no problem around it too. And yeah. I think that initial step to like have the courage to, 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 to be vulnerable, like that's so important. Yeah. So I appreciate you doing that, man. Honestly, it's been great. I'm super glad you reached out, and uh, oh, yeah. and I'm here, and you're here for anyone who wants to give a give you a shout it. out or call at any time, and and just muck it up. You know, yeah, I appreciate right. it. Have a good one. See Thanks. ya. Thanks everyone for tuning into the show, and a massive thank you to Evan for uh, agreeing to come on and share his story and his experience. I know that's not easy to do. Um, 
Next time you see him out and about, you guys better give him a big ass hug because he deserves it for that bravery and courage he showed um, in, in having this chat and wanting to share it with all of you. Really hope that there's something in there that everyone can kind of attach to and, and if you need to hear it, I hope you heard it. This episode of City Champions is brought to you by InVentures, the chance to connect with the best and brightest in global innovation. Join 4,000 plus creative and curious minds on the frontier of innovation. Hear more than 250 speakers on six program tracks, including topics such as healthier living, broader thinking, and the future of AI. InVentures connects entrepreneurs and startups with venture capitalists, angel investors, service providers, and thought leaders. The conference includes an education track for students as well. Alberta Innovates is making all of this possible down south in Calgary from June 3rd to June 5th. Tickets are only $399 if you buy before the end of April. If you're a student, you can get an early bird ticket right now for just $99. Get your tickets today at InVenturesCanada.com. That's I-N-V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S Canada.com. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next time.